0: What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 118, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am over 4th of July.
1: Really? I had a great 4th of July.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Like, you know, I'm I'm ready for bigger and better things.
1: 4th of July used to be on my Mount Rushmore holidays. I don't know if it is anymore. I'd have to think about it. Probably isn't. But I enjoy it. We went to see fireworks last night. That's the first time me and G ever went to see fireworks together.
0: Wow. In all that time, I, you never saw fire in, in, fireworks In together. almost
1: six years, we've never went and seen fireworks together.
0: Wow. That's crazy. That's fun. Um, did you watch the um, hot dog eating contest?
1: No, I did not. It was a disappointment, though, so I'm kind of glad I did that. I lost. I lost money. He, uh, he only ate, what, 62?
0: Only. I mean, yeah.
1: But for him, all, that's like really bad for him. He holds well, jo- record at 76.
0: Joey Parisi and I split a bet on over 71 and a half hot dogs. We both lost. So, but I do have, before we bring on our guest. I do have a bit of like a funny statistic. Most championship titles by a sport, the most Super Bowl wins belongs to Tom, as an individual, belongs to Tom Brady with seven. The most World Series titles belongs to Yogi Berra with 10. Big Devils fan, Yogi Berra. The most Stanley Cups, Andre Richard won 11. Of course, the great um, Maurice Richard, the Rockets' brother. The most NBA titles, Bill Russell with 11. And leading them all, the most mustard belts, <laughs> Joey Chestnut with 15.
1: He actually, I was reading, he holds a ton of world records. And he actually holds the most hard-boiled eggs eaten in like six minutes at like 181 which is like ridiculous like his gas must smell
0: terrible horrible and it was canceled and then it wasn't the lightning you know it, it was just a mess but he ended yeah. up getting it done um joey said the rain delay screwed us out of hitting the over so we'll see what happens with that really? going forward but we have a very special guest and we're going to get to our very special guest in period number one Welcome to period number one where we're going to talk about you know just a bunch of stuff a bunch of stuff with somebody I admire deeply I've been following them on Twitter for a very long time um and then I noticed I think it was like last year the year before I noticed that because I had a new Twitter account from the one I had way back in the day I wasn't following him anymore and I was like wait a minute I gotta be following this guy of course (laughs) I'm talking about um Dan Rice Dan Rice covers the New Jersey Devils and women's hockey Dan how you doing Frank, are you unable to hear Dan?
1: No, I can't hear Dan. But oh, you're no. you're going. You're like blocky too. Something's going on.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. Because last like, we were having like this topic. issue with we were having this issue with Dan during the pre-show. So let's see if we can get that all figured out. He's muted. He's unmuted. I have no idea what's going on. It was working with Dan, Frank. Do, can you see like levels or anything like that, or does it not show that for you?
1: Yeah, it says he's at a hundred.
0: I have no idea what's going on. He was working a little bit, and then he wasn't. I have no clue what's going um, on.
1: Maybe re-get out and get back in. Yeah,
0: try, try that, Dan. Try um, exiting the StreamYard link and re right Sometimes back in. Sometimes that's
1: all you need. But, I mean, if you tuned in back in October, Dan might be a familiar face for the people watching. Um, he's a Devils guy. Uh, Absolutely. You know more about him.
0: Well, last time we had Dan on, we kind of agreed, like, yeah, the Devils might be okay. Mm -hmm. right and can you say they were okay this year
1: i just can't believe that was october that just doesn't seem right what do you mean it just seems like it was a lot sooner than that like we have dan
2: check check can you hear me
0: Hey, it worked (laughs) sometimes turning your phone off and turning it back on that's what they tell me at the apple technology
2: by the balls
0: yeah yeah they got you by the balls i
2: know
0: dan how you doing
2: I'm doing all right. Thanks for the intro. Um, I was going to say before I was uh, not able to be heard, uh, I don't know what the future holds for women's hockey. That's a whole other conversation, but I appreciate the intro. Uh, you guys were talking about hot dog eating. I don't know if that's really a, a, a sport. That's, again, for another show. Uh, and you mentioned Yogi Berra. Um, first couple of years I was covering the Devils – Uh, His granddaughter, Lindsay Barrow, was also covering the team. Uh, She covered hockey uh, in general, I think just in this area for ESPN Magazine or ESPN.com or something like that. So, small world. Uh, The hockey world is always super small and and just kind of wanted to finish that thread there.
0: Absolutely. And before we get into the the devils in the NHL talk to us a little bit about the PHF. you know wh- what's going on with women's hockey and the future state of it in terms of club. We know on a national level, it's huge and it's growing. And we saw the last time the Olympics were going on, the women's tournament was more, you know, it had more great storylines than the men's tournament. It really wasn't even close. Um, wh- what's going on. You can explain it to the people because we love talking women's hockey on this show.
2: Um, as far as today, uh, the PHF does no longer exist. Uh, it's been bought it, its assets, whatever that means, has been bought by this other group that's being funded by uh, Billy Jean King and uh, oh. one of the minority owners for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, so they've acquired the assets. The PHF has ceased to exist as of a week ago tomorrow. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, the, the talk is there's going to be six teams um we were everybody was kind of hoping next season there would be seven phf teams and four in the pwhpa so you're already losing a bunch of jobs right there um nobody knows where these teams are going to be we think two of them will be in toronto and montreal but other than that it's kind of undecided um and for a lot of players who you know over the last eight nine years i've become pretty close with um especially the ones that have been around longer naturally um, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what's next for them. Um, again, there's only going to be six teams, so that limits the, the amount of spaces right there. Um, and think of it from a goaltender's perspective. Six teams is only two, three spots on a team. Uh, I do a, a podcast uh, around the rink where we, one of my co-hosts is a former goalie, and uh, we talked about this whole off-season of the goalie carousel spins pretty fast, and, and if you don't get a seat, like there, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough world. Um, and so there's a lot of goaltenders right now in women's hockey that are like, don't know if they're going to play next season. Uh, maybe they go over season play. Um, but it was just the, the way that everything was handled. And I don't want to, I can go on forever about this, but to wrap it up just the way that it was handled um, business is business. I get that I, to an extent. Um, but the way that it was handled where these players had no idea, and they, all of a sudden, within an hour's notice, they had a town hall call on last Thursday night and we're told that the league doesn't exist anymore. That contract that you signed two months ago is no longer applicable. Um, hopefully you didn't buy a house. Hopefully you didn't put a down payment on a car. Um, but those are real life situations that these players are dealing with. Um, I talked to one player this weekend who said, you know, she had a, a day job as a Uh, occupational therapist Um, and she had quit heading into this upcoming season because she thought she was going to be making more money and was going to dedicate more time to training and and practices and all that kind of stuff. And so she quit her job and now she can't get it back. Like that's, that's how business works, right? Like if she, she can get it back, but not at the level that she was at when she left, she'd kind of have to start from the bottom as far as pay grade goes. And we all know that's not fair, but that's business unfortunately. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. I hope it all works out. You know, they say that this is just the start of, of what is going to be a permanent thing. I hope so. I've been down this road before and seen things, you know, one, one side says one thing and then the other thing happens. Um, We'll see. Hopefully it works out for everybody. But there's a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people that I'm close with, and not just players, staff, um, whether that's coaching staffs or support staffs, um, whether it's trainers or social media people, like those teams in that league just no longer exist anymore. And it's, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but um, onward we go. And, and hopefully in the long run uh, it's for the best, everybody's best interest, but it, it really does affect a lot of people in the immediate uh, reaction or an uh, immediate uh, aftermath. Excuse me.
1: So are they just screwed out of their contract then? They get no money. They they don't like get paid at all.
2: They have uh, in their everybody's contract, which they signed. There was an at will to uh, termination clause, um, but so and not all the information is is uh, uh, is being released by the leagues um, and the people involved. So it's a lot of drips and drabs, and you're talking to different people. But supposedly there's a one million dollar fund where all these players can kind of get, like, a percentage of what they had signed for. So if you sign an $80,000 contract, you're only getting $5,000. Wow, Um, That's not going to help you with your bills necessarily, right? So um, we'll see. I I don't – you know, again, so many many players aren't going to be playing now this upcoming season that had planned on playing. Um, So it's a big scramble as to this league isn't going to start until – January at the earliest um, and a lot of players that I know they've, they've already signed or are looking to sign for overseas playing Finland, Sweden, uh, Austria, uh, Switzerland, all, all, all places where they have professional women's leagues. So uh, hopefully they, they're able to get gigs there.
1: Wow. Thanks.
0: Yeah, that, that's insane. I, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm sad because I thought that the, it was up to seven teams, right? When they, the PHF disbanded, you had Toronto, Minnesota, Boston, Buffalo. Was the Metropolitan Riveters, obviously. Um, I feel yeah. like I'm missing one, though.
2: Connecticut Whale. Oh, the and, Connecticut uh, Whale. And uh, uh, Montreal.
0: Montreal was fresh, right? Yep. They were they, pretty they, fresh.
2: Montreal just, it was their first season, last season. And they had a really nice end of the season. They had 20 players already signed for next season. They were going <laughs> to sign maybe 22 total. So they were done, basically. Um, they had just announced... Two days prior to this news happening, they had just announced their their, their coaching staff coming back and, and an addition. So clearly, nobody knew this was happening, and and um, you know, people with money do do things, and um, people without money usually suffer the consequences. So uh, it's a sad, It was a sad day, and again, I said, like I said, hopefully it all works out in the long run. But it's I've had a lot of tough conversations the last four or five days. Yeah, yeah I'm that's. Sure.
1: That's a heartbreaker. Uh, Dan, we had you on back in October before the season started. And uh, we talked a little bit about the Devils, obviously. And we kind of said, we think they'll be OK. And, you know, they were way better than OK. And a lot of that could be given thanks to the Devils winning the draft lottery 2017 and 2019. And, Dan, you know, as much as any Devils fan, what it means for your team to win the first overall pick. But as we saw this year, Connor Bedard went first overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. What is that going to do for the city of Chicago?
2: Oh, it's, it's a huge boost, right? And, and they've already lost Kane and Taze. I've heard Kane may end up back, right? But um, it's just, it creates that enthusiasm again. Like, um, I'm sure anybody that, that in, in the Chicago area, if they've had bought in tickets at any point in time, those season ticket reps called you and said, hey, you better get here and, and buy tickets to see Conor Bedard. Um, this is, the, this is the, the next one, right? The next, next one. Um, when I was kind of, uh, getting first, getting into to hockey as, as a journalist, Crosby was the next one, um, as you know, the next one in line of, of, uh, Gretzky and Lemieux and Lindros, and then it was Crosby and then, uh, and then McDavid, right. He was the next, next one. Um, Bedard is in that kind of level and everybody kind of expects him to be that, um, it's going to be one of those guys where it's worth the price of admission to go to games, and I'm sure in Chicago, you 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 guys know like, um, Patrick Kane brought a lot of people into the stands the way that he played the game and and uh, the skill set that he had. Uh, there's a lot of those, that similarity with, with Bedard and what he can do for the franchise. It, it can't be just him though. It ha- you have to have pieces around, um, but it's a really good starting piece to. To kind of be like, this is one of our foundations, and as covering the Devils, we've kind of seen that, where they got Nico in 2017. Um, That's kind of the first pillar that you lay down. They did some really good drafting. They were able to get Jesper Bratt in the same draft, I believe. Um, Didn't know it at the time, but now he's kind of one of them pillars too. Uh, Two years later, you get really lucky again. You get Jack Hughes. That's another pillar right there. Um, they end up trading Taylor hall. They get a, a player like Dawson Mercer, uh, as, as a part of the package that they got. Um, and now you start to see all these pieces developing and growing together. Um, I, I had a lot less, uh, angry interactions with, with devil's fans this year. Um, because the team was really good. And when the team is really good and when the team is winning, there's a lot less shit to, excuse me. There was a lot less <laughs> stuff to complain about. Uh, and everybody's kind of like on the same team again. Um, but for a couple of years, it was, you know, a lot of me saying, just just wait. Just let these kids grow. 21 years old, 19 years old. You have to let them grow into, develop into just more mature players, more mature bodies. Um, Bedard is going to go through that a little bit. Like he's going to get pushed around. He's, I've seen him. He's a little bit of a slight kid his speed will, will alleviate a lot of that. But we see with Jack Hughes in New Jersey, like he can get away from most of the the checks. Sometimes he can't. Um, and he's been real good at, at taking the hit, getting right back up. He doesn't complain to the referees, um, which was something we saw with Crosby when he first came into the league. Crosby was known as a kind of quote unquote crybaby and uh, kind of always whining and, you know, he would, take a penalty and he's screaming at the official from the penalty box. Like it's, it's not easy to go, you know, just jump into the NHL. Like this is a man's league. Um, but Bedard is going to be a really good player. And, and um, I like some of the, the, the veterans that they've put around him. Taylor hall would be great for him to, to kind of go through that. They had that here with, with Nico and when, when he was drafted uh, first overall he's able to have a tail hall to lean on he's been through those experiences um, they bring in a Felino, right that's another guy that, that's been through he's been an NHL captain like um, he'll have the insulation to make sure that he's doing things the right way and and progressing the right way in his career but um, I know I'm excited to see him when he when they when Chicago comes to town like that's that's one of the games where it's like it, it's <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I, I might say to myself ah, it's florida like i can miss that game like um if i have something to do or, or you know i have work to do or something like that i'll make sure i'm at the i'm at the rink to see you when chicago comes to town uh just because he's that kind of player
0: yeah for sure and taylor hall might help them win max celebrini with his lottery luck um Jack Hughes. He might not be considered like the next one. Like he was never touted quite like McDavid or even Matthews, but he was up there. People were pretty high on Jack Hughes when he was coming out of the development program. And he was the consensus number one picks at all sorts of American records playing with that team. He skipped right over college. He probably could have played a year at Michigan and might have done him some good early on. But You know, he had ended up being all okay. this last season. He really exploded. And I don't think there's a doubt in anybody's mind now that Jack Hughes is a superstar in the NHL. What did you see from him this season from your vantage point?
2: He just grew like he got used to the NHL like he's like I mentioned, like he he'll take the hit to make the play. We saw that a couple of times. I think just the one that sticks out to me is he took a hit against the wall. Uh, made a kind of a blind pass to Dougie Hamilton. Right. And, and that was, I think overtime winner, right? Yep. Yep. That's the type of thing where like maybe last year, the year before he might've tried to duck away and get out of the way of that hit. Um, But you can't always escape. Like it's, you know, you can be fast, but sometimes you have to take that hit to make the play. And um, he's gotten stronger on his skates where he doesn't get knocked off as much. Um, I, you know, just look at the playoffs, especially that first round. Uh, the Rangers, once again, they they kind of submarine themselves and, and they had a really nice team. They added players I didn't think they needed in Tarasenko and Kane. And it made them a little bit slower of a team. And the Devils kind of it took them a while to get going. But once they figured out how to play their game in the playoffs, they were able to skate circles around most of the Rangers. And, and you know, it, it's Again, it's the end of a long season. Guys are banged up. There's guys banged up on both sides, um, but the Devils were able to find a way, and a lot of that was was led by Hughes. Um, you mentioned he wasn't the next one. I I think that's you know are touted as a next one. I think that's probably because he he is American. Like all those other guys I mentioned, they're all Canadians, right? Like and you know Canada hockey is king, of course. Like they, and 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 the guys that go through the junior ranks, they're they're kind of always looked at a little differently, but um, Jack Hughes is definitely going to be in that category, I think, and and even Austin Matthews wasn't wasn't necessarily thought of as as a next one kind of guy, but uh, a, a still really really good top end player. And um, U.S. hockey is is looking pretty sh- strong with all the Hughes boys, uh, Austin Matthews, Stanley Cup champion Jack Eichel now, right? I mean, um, they, the, they the have... brothers, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have they have a lot of. Of, of really good up and coming players. And it's kind of led as one of the, the top young guns is Jack Hughes. And um, he just consistency too. That was another thing this year, very consistent game to game. Um, he's not always going to get the shots on goal. And I kind of love when he doesn't have to play center uh, putting him on, on haul his wing. I thought it was a genius move where he doesn't have to worry about those defensive, maybe responsibilities. You kind of, let let Jack be Jack. Like he, he has a really good hockey IQ where he's able to read the game. Um, And you just have to look to that. I think it was game three against the Rangers, the early breakaway goal that he scored. Like that's a play that they run over and over again during the season where he's just kind of circling at the top. And, you know, I think it was Siegenthaler just kind of chucks the puck in the middle of the ice. And uh, Hughes is smart enough to know if he's got to step step on a guy or, or not. And, I think he had two steps on, on whoever that, that poor soul of defenseman was that he smoked. Um, but he's able to really make a difference. And that that was a huge, huge goal. I thought and kind of shifting the momentum in that series where like the devils finally had a kind of a lead, um, and they were able to kind of play their game again in playoff hockey. Like it's going to be different than the regular season. Um, and I look, at the, I look at the Rangers, and they've added a lot more, you know, a player like Blake Wheeler. Like, I'm sure he'll create a lot of havoc during the regular season and stuff like that. But if they get into a series against a, a smaller, younger, faster team again, like the Devils, uh, it might be another first-round exit, no matter who's in goal and, and how well that play in. Because the Rangers' goaltender was great um, in that series, but the, the Devils were just able to, to skate circles and really tire out the Rangers and, and that a lot of that was spearheaded by, by Jack and, um, and his band of merry men that kind of like, you know, he, he goes down and block shots that really kind of gets everybody going. Like if Jack's doing it, like shit, I better get down and block a shot or, or I better, you know, get this pass out of his zone because he might be looking to, to make a breakaway. Like um, he really kind of, and, and I love that he's not the captain. I don't know if I said this on this show or if I said it with the other guys, I've loved from day one that they had Jack and Nico and Nico is the captain and Jack doesn't have to worry about that stuff. Like Jack's still going to be Jack. He's still going to be the star. It's just one little less thing that he has to worry about. And um, God bless Nico for the year and a half, you know, that he had to come and, and speak to us in the media after a lot of really tough losses. And uh, he took it like a champ. Not everybody can, can go through that. And, and deal with those things, and um, I, I again, I just I love the fact that Jack can just be his own player and doesn't have that little extra burden of, of uh, having that C on his jersey. As as silly as it sounds,
1: no, it makes sense. Um, I want to touch on the draft a little bit more, though. Um, the Devils did not have a first round draft pick this year, but instead they had five other picks. They drafted a second, a fourth, a fifth, and I believe two sixth round picks. What are some of the takeaways from these players that were added to the team's farm system? Because it's dwindling, they've become a better team, and the farm's being depleted. But added five more players to the system. What does that mean to you guys?
2: For me, it's just more depth. Like the draft, and I'll always say this: it's a crapshoot. Like you know, the Devils. I mentioned Dawson Mercer. They they picked him right. Vinny, can correct me if I'm wrong. They picked him after Alexander Holtz in that same draft.
0: He was the second of three picks.
2: Right, so if, if you go back and you redraft that, right, Holtz probably isn't even a first-rounder. Um, no, he
0: probably, goes, he probably goes ahead of Lafreniere, who went first.
2: Maybe, right, but, and, and that's, you know, it's all kind of subjective, and, and it depends on where you end up, uh, what the path is for you. Um, so, like you mentioned, the Devils have lost a little bit of depth. They've traded away some guys like like Zetterland, mm-hmm. uh, Riley Walsh recently. Um, So this draft is just kind of like restocking all that. Like they're going to have their uh, AHL minor league guys and they're going to have their, their young kind of developing under our own watch kind of players. And they'll have players that'll be in college or overseas. Um, It's all, you know, every, every, every player has their own path. And um, the draft is an opportunity to kind of, maybe take a hidden gem and turn him into, you know, something else. I went to the draft in 2017. I don't even remember them drafting Jesper Bratt. Like I remember them taking uh, Boquist that year. Right. I think. And, and, uh, Riley Walsh was another one. I remember talking to them. Bratt might not, he probably wasn't at the draft, but I don't, I don't. I, I think Brat
0: was the year before Brat was oh, 2016. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. 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 Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't remember him. But, um, to, to that point, though, like some of those other guys that they drafted that year, like, you know, they're either still kind of floating around or or they're somewhere else. Like, especially those late round picks, you, you never know what you're really going to get. Um, it could be Jesper Bratt. Uh, it could be Alexander Holtz. Like, you you don't know. Like, and, you know, and that's not the crap on Holtz. Like, he's still a really, really 21, uh, still a really young player, still has a, a – a bright future. It might not be in New Jersey it, it, that, you know, you look at the, the amount of uh, wings that they have now, like where does Holtz fit? Like, does it make sense to keep him on the roster to play him third or fourth line minutes or be that spare forward? Like he was at the start of the season, like, or does it make sense to have him in the minors to play top line AHL minutes? Um, or does he end up, you know, somewhere else? Like maybe his best path is on another team that, isn't where the devils are at as far as um, their trajectory and their upward arc, because they're, they're clearly going up. And um, I, th- I think they're going to be, you know, we can never say for sure, uh, but it, it really does feel like this is the beginning of a five, six, seven year run where they, they make the playoffs every year. And um, and then what all you got to do is get in after that. It's kind of uh, you roll the dice and everything depends on matchups depends on injuries, depends on goalies playing out of their minds. Like there's there's so many, you know, Aiden Hill wasn't the best goalie going into the playoffs last year. Right. I mean, so um, uh, a lot can, a lot of different things can happen. You just have to get in. Um, They don't have to finish first in the division. They don't have to be the last wild card. Like it doesn't matter. They just have to get in. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's, you know, they should be able to, again, barring injury, they should be able to be this should be sustainable over at least five to six, seven year span.
0: 100%. I haven't really ranked the prospect farms yet. It's kind of still a little too close after the draft. I think the Devils would probably fall five, six, seven. And Luke Hughes and Simon Nimich are kind of holding them afloat. I do think once those guys graduate, the Devils prospect farm probably does fall I honestly think it could fall like 10, 11, 12 spots in the whole league once those two. I mean, you have two of the I honestly think they're probably the two highest rated defense prospects in the league right now. And, you know, Korczynski in Chicago, Lane Hudson in uh, Montreal, those guys will have something to say about that, too. But those guys are probably the top two. Have you gotten to watch Nimich at all? I know we've all gotten to see Hughes play just a little bit. Um, He played the final two games of the season and then he, he really started to make an impact in the Carolina series after not touching the ice in the Rangers series. What's your takeaway on those two guys so far?
2: Uh, yeah, Hughes, again, you could kind of echo the statements about his brother. He's the real deal. Um, to see him be able to do some of the things he did and know that he's just uh, – is he 19? Um, I mean, man, like like when he gets some seasoning, when he fills out a little bit, um, he's going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, Nemich I haven't seen as much of as, as Hughes um an and image I haven't seen in person since preseason um side note one of the the silver linings of of the PHF no longer existing is I'll have a little bit more free time to maybe go up to Utica and and see a couple of games there or when they come a little bit closer into the if they have some games in Pennsylvania or Connecticut I, I can make trips over there um but those are those those are going to be two spins on their back end for the next five years. And you're right. Once they've become regular NHLers, the the prospect rank will drop. That's okay. Like you just kind of need to keep restocking that cupboard. The next couple of drafts, uh, make some shrewd moves, um, find maybe a, a a good player on waivers here or there that you can, uh, end up keeping in the minors or or something like that. Like, uh, I was surprised they didn't take Zadina who was on waivers from Detroit. Um, just to, you know, and I think maybe maybe they figured, well, we already have halts. So what do we need that? Because it's like the same thing. Um, I think they're both kind of players in the same boat where they just really haven't found their their footing or their path. Um, and maybe they're not in the right settings. And um, if they make a one-for-one swap, I want to take credit for it now, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but just saying, like, you know, the, the Nemec, I think, is, is going to be – a big, big piece of their future. And that's why they let Ryan Graves go, right? That's why they traded Damon Severson and let him go. Um, I think they're, they're going to be really, really good. Again, no injuries. Um, They have to find a little bit more consistency in the goaltending when it comes to the postseason. but during the regular season, they got exactly what they needed where it was just make a save. You'd have to make like some of the, like the just, Average saves, and you're going to keep this team in games, and they're going to score. They have the firepower to score, and now they have even more. They have – Timo Meyer is going to have a full camp. Uh, Tyler Stefoli is going to have a, a, a full camp. He's not coming in halfway through the season. Like um, They've kept a lot of the pieces together, so there's not going to be a big learning curve. You know, camp starts. They're going to hit the ground running and uh, try and be better than last season.
1: Yeah, I think the Devils are going to be just fine. I think they're going to be a pretty good team. Um, You know, they've made a lot of offseason moves so far. They're two biggest, and you mentioned Timo is them re-signing Timo Meyer and Jesper Brett on eight-year deals. I mean, what does that mean to you for the Devils?
2: It means I'm going to have some familiar faces for the next eight years in the locker room to talk to, uh, which is always a good thing because um, it was kind of sad at the end of this year, you know, saying goodbye to Severson, we kind of knew um, the writing was on the wall and there you can kind of read the room. And unless there was a major trade, like he wasn't going to be able to be a part of this anymore. So it was just a matter of like, hey, thanks for always being a stand up guy and, and coming out and talking to us when he, he played a lot through a lot of tough, tough seasons, tough nights, uh, often where he was the goat and whether it was an own goal or a bad turnover. Uh, He always came out and and, uh, made time for us. So you appreciate that Mm -hmm. Um, for these guys to to commit for eight years means that they want to be here means that the group wants to stay together. Nobody's making over $10 million. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Like on the uh, uh, average season. Right. So nobody's really broke the bank where you have kind of have to start letting people go to fit other people in kind of like we've seen with Tampa where, um, they've had to do a lot of gymnastics to kind of keep their team together. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at Tampa. I look at even the past Pittsburgh teams that, that won, the, the, I guess, the last – the 2010s, right? Uh, or 20, 2007 to, to the 2010s, um, where they were able to keep kind of their core players together and you just kind of add pieces around. Now, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh would go kind of go all out and it was like, oh, let's go get Marion Hosa this year and let's go get – Um, um, Jerome Jerome McKinley this year, right? Let's go get this guy. They've always kind of went out and, and, and maybe the devils will be that eventually. Um, but to lock up your wings for eight years, Meyer and and Brat, like, um, hopefully Mercer is another guy that, that ends up signing long-term to Foley. He's going to be on the last year. He said he wants to stay here. So maybe you give him four or five years. Um, you keep that core together. And then uh, I think the future is really bright, as we've kind of said a a number of times here. And I think those guys commitment, other players around the league, they kind of noticed that. And um, now they just need to find, I I think, a a kind of bona fide one, a goalie or, or just really have Akira Schmid just kind of continually develop and, and, Grow into the goalie we all think he could be. I don't think he's there yet. I think he showed some nice flashes, um, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily to say like, all right, kid, it's all yours. Like, uh, take the reins. Um, I don't think we're at that point yet, and I don't think it would be fair to him. He hasn't played a full NHL season either. So, uh, but future is definitely bright.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about it too. One thing I also wanted to touch on with you. You brought up Nico Heeshear and he's the captain and you know, he's just kinda like the golden boy of the team. I know Jack Hughes, he's probably got a, he not probably he does have a higher ceiling offensively, which he showed this year, but sure came in second in Selkie voting and the only guy that beat him is the guy who won six. You can name the trophy after him at this point, uh Bergeron. And I, I always say when I have kids, the bergeron is the player i'm going to show them highlights of. like that's you got to be that that's a perfect hockey player and i think he sure he's kind of on that path i do think he grabs a selkie trophy or two in his day if he's not the favorite going into next year if bergeron retires and i I think of some of the captains around the nhl you got crosby crosby's very responsible two-way player he kind of developed that a little bit as the years went on but you know mc David, he's a captain, but you could give him the C, both A's, and make him the coach, and he'd still freaking have 150 points. Like, he's that good. But other guys who are captains around the league aren't necessarily always just these offensive studs. They're kind of the guys that play the game the right way and lead by example. He sure, he's one of those guys. Can you talk about what his game, we were at that draft, Frank and I, too, in Chicago in 2017, because it's just around the block from where we live, so it was convenient. The Devils just happened to have the number one pick. It was awesome. Just worked out so well for me. But um yeah, I mean, he's sure. You, you could talk all day about how great he is in every way.
2: Oh, he's just fantastic. He does all the little things right and, and I, I feel like sometimes I'm spoiled where where I sitting up up in the press box is really high up. Um, but one to me one of the advantages is you can kind of watch kind of behind the play things and and it does look a lot slower than the game actually is. Um, but you're kind of able to maybe focus on one player and just kind of like shadow them for their shifts. Um, and I love watching Nico because he just, he's kind of always in the right spot. Um, he he makes passes sometimes where it's like, how did he know that guy was there? Like, like, but he's kind of, he's, he's very, very attentive, right. He uh, attention to detail, like all the things that, that all these great two way centers are, um, he's very uh, aware of his surroundings. Um, doesn't really get, he, he, he will get caught, I guess, a little, um, he's taken some heavy hits, um, but he's pretty good at avoiding them too. Um, just, uh, and just a guy that plays in every situation, not afraid to go to the front of the net. I, I love that about him. Um, maybe doesn't need to stay in front of the net anymore. Like when, when the team was kind of bad and, um, they had a lot of shooters and, and he ended up taking one in the, in the mouth. Um, I kind of like him a little bit more on the outside where he can create a little bit more, um, but just, just a joy to watch. Like you said, kind of does everything the right way. Um, and I love, I love his just honesty. Uh, again, as a journalist, as somebody who deals with him kind of almost on a night to night basis, because a lot of nights he is available to us to speak. Um, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve uh, when they lose, you can see it in his face that it hurts him. And, and, you know, some guys you can't always say that about, and I'm not, not going to throw anybody under the bus, like not saying the guys don't care, but um, he, maybe he, maybe Nico he cares a little too much. And I think that's a good thing though. I, I think caring is, is, is a really good asset to have. And, um, and I think it makes guys want to, you know, follow him into battle for, you know, if you want to use that cliche, um, there's no question that's his, he's, he's the leader of that team and, and that team, he you know, they follow his lead. Um, and Jack is obviously a part of that. And Nico's um, had a lot of really good guys to lean on, to, to pick their brains. Um, but eventually you have to do things your own way. You add in bits of maybe what he got from Bryce Salvador or what he got from Ken Danico or from Taylor Hall. Um, but at the end of the day, he has to be his own person. And, and clearly you know, everybody kind of has responded to that. And um, I'm a, I'm a big Nico fan and, and another guy that's locked up for the next, right. Seven years. Um, I'm excited to, to, to be able to have that opportunity to be around him and to watch what he can do uh, with this team and with this group over the next handful of years.
1: Dan, the devil's had the best season to season turnaround in NHL history, it had to be a blast to watch. I know Vinny was having a blast watching it, I'm sure you were having a blast watching it. Is this something we could expect from the Devils this year, or are your expectations a little bit different coming into the year? I
2: don't think they're going to set a record for the biggest improvement again. I don't, I don't
0: <laughs> know, I don't think what would they need to have like a hundred and a hundred and
2: lose like one game or something, right? Yeah, um. My expectation I mean, there's still, I'm sure, a couple of moves that need to be made. But we have an idea of what the team's going to look like, I think, right? I don't think there are going to be that many surprises. Um, I expect kind of a-, a cross between last year and what I expected this year – or what I expected last year, which was be in contention for a playoff spot. Like, some teams are going to get better that were behind you. Um, some teams that were in the playoffs are going to get worse. I don't think Boston's going to be what they were. Um, there's no way they're duplicating that. Uh, I don't think Florida is going to maybe necessarily have the type of team that they had last season. You know, a bunch of guys are hurt, right? So um, they traded a couple of pieces. Um, I, Florida was a team where they honestly really surprised the crap out of me where I didn't think they had a chance. Um, and – yeah, prove me wrong. What do I know? Uh, they went to the final, but they were a team where it was like, I felt like if the Devils got them in the in the first or second round, they would have been able to beat them. Mike, I didn't have any doubt in my mind that that was going to happen. And then um, to see them go on the run they went on was impressive. Um, I, again, the Metro was always tough. Uh, you just have to get a playoff spot. I, I think they – looking at what they have, building off of what they had last season – The amount of people I think that are coming back, again, barring anything really crazy, I I see no reason why they can't finish second, third, fourth in the division again. Um, And then from there, um, depends on matchups, depends on who's hurt. But uh, I think going forward, the expectation is make the playoffs. Um, It's not when the division not finish first in the conference or the league, just make the playoffs. I'm, I'm expecting them the next five, six years to make the playoffs. Um, if, you know, Nico and Jack get hurt, knock on wood, um, that probably doesn't happen. I don't think they have enough guys that can carry them. Maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. But, you know, if they had it, Nico misses 30 games, Jack misses 40 games, uh, Dougie Hamilton misses 30 games, they probably ain't missing the, making the playoffs. Um, so you need to have a few things break, right? but I, I I do believe they're going to be in the playoffs again this year and the year after and the year after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And everything you said that you're not ex- they're all things they can do. They could absolutely be the top team in the conference this year. I'd be 0% surprised. They could win the Metropolitan Division. I'd be 0% surprised. But like you said, where you finish doesn't really matter once the dance starts because You know, Aiden Hill and Darcy Kemper are the last two Stanley Cup champions. You know, sometimes a goalie just gets hot. But before that, you had Vasilevsky, who might be on the NHL's all-time Mount Rushmore of goaltenders. If he's not, he's close. Like, you know, it's different every year. You hope the Devils are able to make at least one deep run with this core. Obviously, multiple would be really nice and really fun. Um, One last thing I wanted to ask you, and then we'll let Frank let you ask one more. Um... There's a lot of rumors surrounding the goaltending situation, and I know the Devils, they're kind of starting to push the cap a little bit, which is what good things do. You can expect good things from good teams. They're not going to have a lot of room to spend, and they're not going to have the greatest farm system anymore, you know, after years and years of being good. The Devils are still kind of approaching the cap. They're not at the cap or over it yet, and they still have a decent farm system. But, you know, in three years, their farm system is going to be poop, and they're going to be right near the cap and you look at the bottom farm systems in the league, it's Tampa, it's Pittsburgh, it's Boston, all the teams that have been great for so long. But do you think there's room to make one of these rumors come true about Connor Hellebuck or UC Saros or maybe even you roll the dice on a John Gibson who's been bad for three years, but we know the talent that's in there for him if he was on a better team. Where are you at on that? Because, you know, something people forget. Two goalies in Devils history have ever won thirty games in the same in a single season. Martin Broder, times like sixteen, and Vitek Vanacek.
2: Yeah, I um, if if there's a goalie available, or any one of those three available, um, I would I would explore it at least find out what it would take. Um, if you're Acquire, I would assume, yeah, all, all three of them, right, you would have to trade for. So mm-hmm. VTech would probably be a part of the package going the other way because you're not going to leave this team with, with no goalie. Um, I think they would be upgrades over VTech, and that's no kind of disrespect to VTech. I, I love what, the way that he played last season. Like I said, just make make the saves that you need to make, and everything else will take care of itself. Um what worries me is in the playoffs I saw a little like kind of deer and headlights look in him. Um, whereas Schmeed was kind of just, it, 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 I didn't see any of that, but I also saw a very young goaltender who wasn't ready to necessarily play at the NHL speed and still took out the Rangers and, and had some pretty nice moments against Carolina as well. Um, I I think you have to at least explore making an upgrade. I don't, that doesn't mean you have to, that doesn't mean VTech can't bounce back and have an even better season. Um, If he can win 30 games again this season, that's a good, good starting point. And you just got to get another 15 to 20, maybe out of, out of your other goaltender or, or you got to pick up a lot of loser points. Um, But he's just got to keep them in games. I, i I've kind of always liked Hellebuck. I understand the concerns about maybe the, the, the financial aspect of what he wants or what his deal is or what it's going to look like. Um, but I feel like if you added any one of those three, um, the three of us and a lot of other people would say the Devils of Eastern Conference, if not Stanley Cup favorites. You look at the moves that they've made, keeping that team together, keeping Meyer for eight years, and Toffoli, like, their top nine is almost unmatched. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of other teams that can kind of go toe-to-toe with their top nine, but not a lot of others. The defenses, they're not, like, the, the shutdown defense like like I grew up watching, but they're, they're, they are they're can do the job. Um, I don't think Dougie's winning any Norrises, but he doesn't have to. Like, that's not why he's here. Um if, uh, again, if, if you added a Gibson behind these guys, a Hellebuck, a UC Soros, it's it becomes Cup or bust. Then then you ask me that question, what's my expectation? I say, it's not just make the playoffs. It's <laughs> Cup <couple laughs> or bust because that's that's really their 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 weak spot. And it's not really a weak spot. It's just a kind of a sore spot, I guess, is is the goaltending. But they're perfectly capable of, like they were last season, getting them to the playoffs. And then again. It's, you know, anything can happen.
1: Vin, I'm glad you asked about the goaltending. You know how I feel about the goaltending. I'm glad Mackenzie Blackwood's off the team now. I think he was weighing them down in all honesty. Um, But let's just say for the sake of conversation, Devils are the 2024 Stanley Cup champions. On the road to winning the Stanley Cup or just throughout the season in general, who is the biggest threat to the Devils next season?
2: Oh, you mean like other teams?
1: Other teams. It could be in the Metro or teams you think they're going to have the biggest problems facing on their road to winning the cup if they were to win the cup.
0: Before you answer, Dan, I do want to know. I think Blake Wheeler makes the Rangers better against everyone they will play next season. Get, except for the Devils and the Hurricanes. He slows them down against the Devils and Hurricanes. He, he'll be weak. The, Jack Hughes will dance floors around him, but you know when they play the Islanders or so-and-so, so I don't know if the Rangers were going to be in the mix
2: for you. I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, the Rangers were not uh, on that, in that, that list of uh, teams <laughs> that I was going to – or number of teams I was going to mention. Um, Carolina, um, just because of the way that they're coached and – they're, they're kind of they like the Devils were when I was growing up in 1995, 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Carolina is an interchangeable flock of forwards. You could move anybody up and down that lineup, first line, third line, second line, penalty kill, power play. They all can play, kind of play the same role. And maybe you can't focus on one guy to neutralize. Um, and that's why I think they gave them fits. The other team would be Tampa Bay. Um, you know, in that scenario, it would have to be either, I guess, a conference final or um, Tampa finishes first in a division. Devils get a wild card and they run it to Tampa Bay. Um, We've kind of had tried to go through Vasilevsky before different team, um, but that would not be a fun series. That would be um, because if, if they get, if he gets in their head, like it's over, like it's, (laughs) (laughs) he's that good of a goaltender. Um, He reminds me a lot of Marty where he would just kind of get in people's heads and um, it it forces you to hesitate and maybe not get as good a shot as you would want, or you hesitate and the shot goes wide or uh, he just Jedi mind tricks the crap out of you. And, and he's big too. Like, and, and when you do get a good shot, like he's usually in position to swallow it up like, um those those would be the two teams that worry me that they would if they cross them at any point in, in the postseason, that that's a really, really tough series that I would probably give the advantage to the other team. Um anybody else, I'm probably picking the Devils in seven. Um uh, just to play it safe. Wow. Seven.
0: I I appreciate the honesty. And listen, yeah. there are so many other moves that they can make. I agree with you, their top six, their top six is for sure right there with the best of the league, especially if Mercer could kind of recreate what he did last year offensively with the 27 goals or whatnot, possibly who knows, maybe even improve on that. If he's, cause he spent a lot of time on the third line last year too. What if next year he's getting firm top six minutes, no matter what back and forth between the first and second line, we'll see if Palat and Hala can form a little bit of chemistry there on the third line. I think a lot of things could go a lot of good ways for them. Um, I'm excited about it. They have the third best odds, according to, DraftKings, no free ads, but that's the last app I looked. And they have the third best odds to win the Stanley Cup, only behind Colorado and Toronto. And you didn't name the Leafs. And I'm a little surprised you didn't name the Leafs. I know they always choke, but you know, adding Bertuzzi and me? no, Dan. Who's their goalie? Uh Frankie. <laughs> yeah. Frank, you're their goalie. It's
1: all right.
0: <laughs> You'd probably be equally as effective. No,
1: I mean, have you seen me play shinny before
0: <laughs> you're on You're impossible to be. That's what I I'm saying.
1: Know. I've had some great saves.
0: hundred percent. Dan, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It has been an absolute blast talking hockey with you. I always appreciate the candid answers and honesty, yeah. and it's very well, well taken by us. We're very happy to have you.
2: Oh, thanks. I always, I always look forward to these when anybody reaches out to me and, uh, I'm um, happy to come on anytime you guys want. Um it, crazy. You said we didn't we last time we did it was the beginning of the season. That that feels like, like an eon ago. Like See, that's
1: what I said.
2: I mean the season is so long as it is and um just everything that I've kind of gone through the last week or so with this the the women's league and everything, it's just um time is is, is a joke sometimes and uh it's just uh it's crazy. Uh but always always appreciated. Uh, I love the questions you guys bring. Really, really keep me on my toes, make me think. Um, so, keep up the great work.
0: Thank absolutely, you, we'll we'll have you back right before the season again, and you can absolutely. tell us how okay the Devils are going to be, and then we'll watch them go on the best run in team history again.
2: Sounds like a plan. <laughs> we got we got to we got to keep the routine going, right? I mean, work absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Dan, promote your stuff really quick before you head out.
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, as they say, the Twitterverse, at D Rice Hockey or at Dr Ice Hockey, depending on how you want to read that. Uh, everybody kind of takes it differently. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can read my work over at Pucks and Pitchforks. Um, haven't done anything recent, but next week is New Jersey Devils Development Camp. Um, I will be over there. I think it's Wednesday night after they do the three-on-three scrimmages. Um, so looking forward to... Uh, bother a couple of young kids with some of my crazy questions. Uh, have some content for Pucks and Pitchforks audience. Um, if you're into women's hockey, uh, my work is over at the Ice Garden. I also host a show on Twitter that is available the next day on podcast forum called Around the Rink. Um, don't really know what the future of that show is going to be. I, I think I'm going to keep doing it. I, I can't see me not i um, just going to have to pivot a little bit and uh, actually have a couple of players lined up that had already signed to play overseas next season. So I kind of want to get, and they played in the PHF last season. So um, I kind of want to bring them on to get, kind of get their perspective of kind of watching this all crumble from the background where, uh, you know, they, they, they were heading overseas with hopes of playing there for a year, uh, which is a great thing to do. And you get to explore Austria and Germany and the Netherlands and, uh, go crazy, kids, if you could do it. But and then come back in a year and, and hope to come back to the PHF. So uh, I'm really curious to see what they have to say. Um, but that's that's all I got. Um, support uh, everybody at Pucks and Pitchforks and the Ice Guard. And support these two fine gentlemen here tonight or this afternoon talking with us. And uh, thank you again for giving me a line to uh, to be here and hang out with you guys.
0: Of course, make sure you follow him at D. Rice Hockey or Dr. Ice Hockey. Huh, I literally would have never pulled that up. People who say that are crazy. Their brains work differently than mine. Dan, we can't thank you enough. Everybody, we would like to send you to period number two. Make sure you go follow Dr. Ice Hockey on Twitter right now. You think he's an actual doctor?
1: No, I do not. But, oh, I do. You no, know, But his knowledge in hockey makes me think he's a doctor in hockey so it makes yeah. sense
0: 100 percent, he's dr ice hockey um 100 like it was fun it was a good time i like talking the devils with dan
1: i like about dan is he is so knowledgeable you can ask him anything on the spot he'll give it to you
0: and he's thoughtful with his answers he's you know sometimes thoughtful. sometimes we have people on we're like hey man what did you think of nico he's your season and they're like yeah, you know, it was good. He was nominated for the Selkie Trophy, had 80 points. It was good. I really like seeing the improvement this year. Mm-hmm. Boom, done. You roll through 10 questions each in five minutes. You're right. Dan, we asked him, like, what, four each, five I eight? only
1: got through five, and I, I normally have always, like, 10 questions on tap just in case, and you kind of feel out how it's going. I only got through half because his answers are so in-depth, and I love that about him.
0: Yeah, and I remembered that from last time. I didn't even write down any questions. I knew I was asking him about what happened about PHF, Hughes, Hellebuck, Meyer, you know, whatever you didn't ask. It was just going to come up with a devil's question on the spot because that's the kind of thoughtfulness he brings to the table.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Frank, now that – Dan is gone and we are into period number two. We are going to talk about the 2023 NHL draft where your team, the Chicago Blackhawks, made the number one overall pick. Of course, they selected Regina Pat's forward, Connor Bedard. It is officially Bedard season in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I think he might be the best player at his sport in town.
1: I have to agree. I mean, the, what they're saying about him, I heard him describe during the draft, like I've never heard him describe before, that he skates like McDavid and he shoots like Matthews. So it's almost like they had a kid together. And here you got Conor Bedard. And I don't know if it's true or not. We'll see. But I do think he's going to be wildly successful. I asked Dan about it. Dan knows how special he is. And I think that fans of Chicago, or even like not the diehard fans, but just like the casual Blackhawks fans – don't really know what he means or what he's going to mean to the city and what he's going to do for the Blackhawks. Like, I keep trying to hype him up. I keep trying to tell people, like, you have no idea how much this means and what this means. And I guess they're just going to have to wait and see, and maybe they'll have a better idea after this year, but probably not because he's not going to unlock his full potential this season, but they'll get a taste in the years to come.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a disappointing season would be like 20 goals. Mm-hmm. which like most rookies, if they hit 20, they win the Calder trophy. Um, I don't, I don't think if they talk about McDavid skating for Bedard, they have to mean like the way he skates and how like natural it is to him. McDusty's speed is unlike anything I've ever. So maybe they mean like the style of skating, but like, right. I'm not too sure about, it's just weird. When people think of McDavid skating, they think of how he can get to zero from a hundred and one stride. Um, but the Matthew shot thing, I, that's interesting to me. But I, I think Connor Bernard scores 70 goals. I said it in his career, not next year. But in his yeah. career. Imagine um, if he did it
2: next year.
1: That would be insane.
0: No, if he did it next year, I would think he could hit 100.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm serious. Really?
0: Yeah. 100%. If he Maybe scored not. 70 as an 18-year-old rookie, why the H couldn't he hit 100 when he's 26?
1: If he scores 70 as a rookie, he's breaking 1,000 goals.
0: <laughs> wouldn't that be something if he breaks Ovechkin's eventual record? Cause I think Ovechkin's going to get a thousand. Well, he might come just short of a thousand. We'll see. But I mean, Connor Bedard, he's unreal. And that's the Chicago Blackhawks new face of the franchise. Have you started to like dream up line combinations in your head or anything like that yet?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I actually have some written down on my phone and I don't have my phone near me. Um, one of them. Well, I think Bedard will obviously be on the top lines and, Taylor Hall be le- his left wing, and his right wing would probably be Lucas Reichel, Is my guess. Interesting. Is that what you mean? Yeah, with yeah. For Bedard or just like yeah, or, yeah. Like, I, with I, Bedard. I, here I have my here I got my phone now. Yeah, I mean I have him. I have him on the first. I, there's I. He's got to be on the first line.
0: If he doesn't, like yeah. in the first game, that just means Luke Richardson is like playing hardball with him because he was a rookie. Like Jack Hughes' first game, he was on the third line.
1: Right like, now, I got Bedard centering Reichel and Hall. Okay. Then I got Tyler Johnson centering Andreas Anthony Ciu and Taylor Radish. Um, the third line, I got Dickinson centering Blackwell and Khrushchev. And then the fourth line will probably be Donato centering Felino and Perry.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, uh, fourth line. I like Kurishev with Bedard more right now, though. Really? Yeah. Only because. Instead of Hall? No. Well, they're both left wings. Did I say Kurishev? I met Radish. Oh. I met Taylor Radish. There you go. see <laughs> well, you. That makes sense. I, I would like to see see you play with Reichel because I think Reichel's ability to make plays can, like, it, it could play with Athens. He used speed Athenasi's probably the fastest player on the Hawks, either him or Taylor Hall. But I don't think there's a doubt that Hall and Bedard will at least start. Uh, th- they'll get together at some point. If in the first game of the season, Richardson does do that thing where they like start the rookie on the third line. I really wouldn't be all that surprised, but like we all know that Hall will eventually
1: play with Bedard on the top line for like 80% of the season. As long as absolutely. Does. It's gotta be. And it was funny because he wears 98. We saw the Jersey which was kind of like only McDavid and him are the two I remember that actually had their jersey number pulled, which is pretty spectacular. What do you think about 98? I love it. I, like I absolutely it, love it. I like it.
0: He wasn't born in 98, which is like that's why McDavid wore 97 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, hey, eight's a cool number. It's like a, one of those big numbers. A lot of the stars are picking the big numbers right now. Mm-hmm. Jack Hughes is 86. McDavid's 97. Austin Matthews has not a big number, but it's like a unique number. 34. You know, I I just think this stuff plays. So number 98 is going to be a big one in the history of Chicago sports, I think. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, right after Bedard was taken, big shakeup. Big shakeup. Mm-hmm. And the betting lines kind of made some people think that it was going to end up being we this way. You said it. But you also didn't have the nads to, like, predict it. Yeah, you told me not to. You backed out. You backed out. You not. Know, oh, was I holding a freaking chainsaw up to your head? I mean. I mean, no, I wasn't. You do what you want. I don't control you. Um, Anaheim, with the second overall pick, selected Leo Carlson leaving Adam Fantilli out of the University of Michigan for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think we both like Leo Carlson a lot. Watching the World Juniors was outstanding for Sweden. He, he could very well be an NHL star. Maybe Anaheim will look smart, because I remember shitting on Columbus for taking Pierre-Luc Dubois over Jesse Pugliarvi, because Jesse Pugliarvi was supposed to be the third pick. It was Matthews and line A. That was a lock. And then the third overall pick was supposed to be Pull Pugliarvi Pugliarvi, 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 Pugliarvi. And, you know, finish... Finish player to the Finnish GM in Columbus. Nope, he went with Pierre Luc Dubois, significantly better player all these years later than Pouliardy. So maybe it's one of those types of situations. Those things do happen. Right now, though, I don't see it. Adam Fantilli falling to Columbus seems like a win for them.
1: Uh, Skoke says, "I'm so pissed for the at the Ducks for doing that." And now Fantilli will be a major problem for the Hawks down the line. But um, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but. You know, we talked about it last week. The odds movement was a little fishy. Um, and that's not the first time the odds movement has predicted things a few years ago with Banchero, Paulo Banchero going number one in the draft. The odds movement um, went in favor of him when it wasn't supposed to be him right away. So, I mean, that's something you really got to take into consideration when big moments like this come around. Um It's nothing against Adam Fantilli, but it appears that the Ducks like the type of player that Carlson is. That's why they did it. The Ducks view Leo Carlson as more of a two-way player, and that could mesh better with the type of team that the Ducks is building. I mean, that's probably something that went through their mind. I mean, they say Carlson's games modeled after Evgeny Malkin and Zomze Kopitar, two players that helped their team lift the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, the Ducks already have a lot of scoring capabilities with Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras. So maybe they felt that this was a piece they were missing. Some with, someone with more of a two-way game. Maybe they thought the two-way game is better than Fantilli. But, I mean, on the other hand, the Columbus Blue Jackets get Fantilli and he gets to go play with Johnny Goudreau. And they wasted no time signing their future star. He already signed his three-year entry-level deal. Um, in most drafts, Fantilli would go one, but... It was, you know, unfortunate that he was being drafted behind Conan Bedard. And, you know, there were questions surrounding on if he would go to Michigan or not, and that's not going to happen anymore. And something else we mentioned last week was that the Blue Jackets might be the, one of the most improved teams, like the Devils were, not to that caliber, but up there is being a little bit more competitive this year. And Fantilli is going to definitely help that cause for sure. Because when we were making those comments, we really didn't predict Fantilli going to Columbus.
0: I agree with you. I, like, I think they have a top three farm system now because they locked into Fantilli and that probably led to them taking their second round pick that we'll touch on in a little bit. Maybe they go in a different direction with that second round pick had Fantilli not fall into their lap or maybe not. But I mean, there's certainly an argument to be made for that. Um, I, I like what the ducks have too. I think they have a top 10 farm system and they have McTavish and Zegras and Drysdale. Like they're, they're building something, you know, good too. But I'm like, man, really passed up on Adam Fantilli. I, I just couldn't believe it. That's probably the most shocked
1: I've ever been at a draft pick while while watching sports in my life. But you want to know something funny? Like, I feel like Fantilli fits the Blue Jackets more, like his attitude, than the Ducks. Like, Trevor Zegra's a nice guy. Adam Fantilli's kind of like a dick. He's got that, like, dickish personality. He's got an edge to him.
0: He'll He's play well, He'll play well he... with hockey.
1: Well, He's also kind of like a dick. Right, right. They're both edgy. He kind of fits in well more with the Blue Jackets. And maybe that's what Verbeek went through his head, right? Maybe he's like, hey, we want guys that'll kind of have chemistry together, kind of, you know, get along, like, with the same type of personality. I don't know. Nobody really knows but him. I mean, he could tell you what, whatever. (laughs) But, I mean, whatever went through his head that night, we'll see it pan out. I mean, nobody – I mean, everybody needs Adam Fantilli, right? Everybody wants to have an Adam Fantilli, but the Ducks don't need Adam Fantilli. I think they'll be just fine with Leo Carlson, but we'll see what happens. Like, we'll see in a few years who made the better decision.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I've heard, I've been told, actually, that Columbus was going to take Will Smith over Leo Carlson if, you know, Fantilli went to the Ducks as planned. I do wonder, because, like, what's the reason Anaheim passed on Fantilli? What do they know? And I, I I get taken back to the 2018 draft, Frank. In 2018, the Detroit Red Wings did not at all expect um, Philip Zadina to get to them. He was supposed to go third to Montreal. And then mm-hmm. Montreal passed on him. And then Arizona passed on him. And then, holy shit, he's sitting there at six for frickin' the Red Wings, and they're like, we're going to change our whole course. They were going to take Quinn Hughes. They were going to take Quinn Hughes. He went to Michigan. It's perfect. He'll go play for the Red Wings. It'll be great. He won't have to move very far. It'll be awesome. And they deferred from that plan because Zadina was sitting for them. Now Quinn Hughes is the fastest defenseman to ever reach 200 career assists. And they are buying out Zadina as of today. That's rough. So you wonder, like,
1: that's right. Did
0: Columbus make a mistake not taking Will Smith like their plan A? Because Will Smith, which we're going to get to in a second here, he only Jack Hughes has ever had more points with the United States National Development Program than Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just unreal the way drafts work out sometimes, and then you think about them down the line. Uh, there's something fishy is going to come from this draft in three or four years. We're going to look at someone as a major dummy, and we're going to look at someone as a major winner here.
1: I mean... You're, you could be right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think the top five players that really went have a chance to be good. Me too. Obviously, they're all going to be. No, no, no. But, like, I I don't think there's going to be that much of a gap in between. I don't think it's going to be another one of those. I mean, it could, right? Like, we don't know what other teams know. Like, with, like I said, what's, what's going through their head. But I think it's just, it'll all be relatively, I don't, if there is a difference, I don't think it's going to be a big difference.
0: Hundred percent. And Will Smith, he does go forth to San Jose, gonna play for Boston University next year. He's probably Logan Cooley's biggest threat for the Hobie Baker Award.
1: Um, takes on him. Man, it was hilarious. The Fresh pr- Prince of Bel Air playing as he was walking up on stage, and you know, Emily talk about Kaplan, playing
0: into a meme. Like, oh my that's God, great! And,
1: and Emily Kaplan asked him about that, and he goes, "Well, my name. I'm gonna play into it. I'm gonna own it." Um, He seems like a cool dude. He was a little embarrassed when Emily Kaplan asked him to sing the song. He didn't really sing it. He kind of said it. It's like, all right, come on. That that was the only thing that kind of bothered me. It's like, have fun. You just got drafted to the NHL. But being that young, he's probably like, it's a little embarrassing. I'm on live television in front of millions of people. But anyway, it's going to be a top-line center for the Sharks one day. It's going to be a great two-way center. Going to be a threat on the power play. Not be surprised one bit if he gets to 90 or more points a few times, more than a few times in his career. I think this is going to be a great player for the Sharks and one that they could build around.
0: Absolutely. I I think there's a chance he – this is going to sound crazy because, like, Bedard to me is the best player in the draft and I don't think – I don't foresee that not being the case. Um, Like, even if Bedard is a serviceable NHL player and that's, like, the limit for him, he'll be a bust. Like if Mm -hmm. he's a high end second line player, like if he becomes Taylor hall, he'll be a bust. Mm -hmm. Um, When Taylor hall is a great player. Right. Um, So I will say that, um, but I think there's a chance. Will Smith ends up being the second best player in the draft or the third. He's that talented.
1: Yeah.
0: And he put up that many points with the development program. I honestly, I didn't realize like I did a lot of research on the draft, but one player I kind of, Sniffed over was Will Smith and damn, 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 San Jose. They're getting a good one. Hopefully, they surround him with some talent as the years go along. Um, their, their prospect pool is only going to continue to grow as they kind of tear it down a little bit over the next year or two. And listen, we talk college hockey a lot on this show. We'll be talking about Will Smith a lot once the season starts next year at Boston University. Absolutely. Um, or it's not Boston University, it's Boston College. I keep saying BU, Max Celebrini going to go to Boston University. Um, and he'll compete for the Hobie Baker too, but Will Smith will be at BC um BCBU games. Woo! Be intense. The bean pot's gonna be awesome next year, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The biggest winner of the draft, in my opinion, is the Philadelphia Flyers, who selected Matt Vay Mechkov with the seventh overall pick. They're gonna be dog shit during his entire KHL contract anyway. Like like l- let me let me explain it this way. Oh, he's got three years till he could come over. What if Carlson doesn't come over for three years? Will Smith, like, you know, the Devils took Holtz seventh overall in 2020. That was, or yeah, in 2020, that was three drafts ago. He's not in the NHL yet. That happens all the time. Guys take three years to get to the league. So why not just play out your KHL contract, dump Michkov at 21 years old into your lineup, then you probably have Max Celebrini or Cole, uh Iserman, the kid who's supposed to go number two next year, and it's like all of a sudden the Flyers are like, whoa, we, we can compete in this Metropolitan Division. The Caps probably stink by then. The Penguins probably stink by then. The Devils and Hurricanes will probably still be somewhat near the top. The Rangers will probably be falling off a little bit. It'll be Columbus, Philly, and the Devils ready to run that division. Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: you know, I don't know. I I, I think they <laughs> struck gold with Mijkov. Yeah, you know, they were one of my two teams I saw taking them. I said Arizona or Philadelphia. Um, They're lucky, though, the Flyers, that Mitch Kov has a three-year deal left on his, NH- or his KHL contract because if he didn't, he wouldn't have fell to the Flyers because he's that good. Probably would have went two. Um, and I think that's what makes people say like, oh, we just got to wait three years for him is because he's so talented right now that he would be playing in the NHL if his KHL deal was up. So I think that's why people are kind of like, ah, man, do I not want to take him right now? Because, you know, I mean, you also never know what happens in three years. Um, And that's for anybody. That's for players going to college. I mean, injuries occur. And anyway, but what I'm trying to get at is, you know, he's got a ton of talent. They don't have a, the Flyers don't have a player on their team like Mitchkov right now. Things are going to look a lot different when he's ready to come into the league and ready to contend with the Philadelphia Flyers. Probably, who knows, have a new coach. I believe in three years that's the end of Torta's contract with the Flyers. So, I mean, things are going to be a lot different when he comes to the the Flyers. So anything that is really taking place right now, like I said, is going to be totally different when he comes in. But, I mean, it's a big risk that the Flyers took, but it also matches up with their timeline, and it could pay out huge. Big reward.
0: Absolutely. And then I picked 19. The Chicago Blackhawks took Oliver Moore. Yeah. Fastest player in the draft. So happy. Um, You nailed him as a possibility. I had him going 20 to Seattle, so I was one pick off. But he was definitely going right
1: in that range. What's your take on Oliver Moore? I mean, I'm so happy. I wanted him so bad. He is going to be like a Dylan Larkin. I think so. I think he's going to be right up there. He'll probably be the second-line center one day. I mean, that's just – Bedard at one, more at two. It's just unbelievable. Like, if those are your two top six centers, that is just – that's just amazing. I mean, he's so fast. The Hawks haven't really had a lot of luck with speed over their years. They had a lot of like, especially as it went on, they got to their 2013, 2015 cup, their speed died down a lot. You know, we had a lot of older guys, veterans on the team who were with the team. A while. I haven't seen a lot of Hawks team with tremendous speed. And that's something that you need now in today's NHL. Some of the best players in the NHL thrive off their speed and having a guy like Oliver Moore, who has speed and talent, I'm looking forward to it. I truly don't think there was a better player available at that stage of the game. I think if the Hawks didn't take him, Seattle was taking him next. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very happy with the pick. I think he's going to be a tremendous player for the Blackhawks. And like I said, your one, two Bedard and Moore. I mean, it, it really can't get any better than that right now.
0: hundred percent. I mean, they also they're trying to build it down the middle, which is not what they did in the cup years.
1: Mm-hmm. They're like
0: one of the rare teams that won multiple cups, not going down the middle. Um, Jonathan Taves was always one C, but like, wasn't there two C and 10 or uh Troy Brower? And then in 2013, it was Han Zeus, and then in uh 15, it was an older version of Brad Richards. So, like, you know, they never really had like a stud 2C through any of those years. Oliver Moore might be somebody who can be
1: that guy. I hope so because you know how they have like the grades, they grade players. Like for your draft, where they were drafted and how they, they give like a grade. You know what I'm trying to say for each mm-hmm. player in the draft. Well, obviously they gave Bedard an A plus. They also gave Oliver Moore an A plus for that pick at that stage of the game. I mean, they put all the factors in where he was drafted to what team. They gave him an A plus as well as Bedard. So I got high hopes for him.
0: Did you get that grade from DewindyCity.com?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. It was a graphic that I w- it wasn't an article I read. It was a picture, so unless the Windy City posted a picture of it,
0: no. I I wrote trade grades, and I gave both an no. A plus or really draft know. grades. I mean, I gave I both picks for the Hawks an A plus in the first round.
1: Yeah, I didn't read it. I just I saw a graphic pop up on Twitter. And I was like, oh, all right.
0: Yeah, I've come to learn over the years that grades do well on the sports websites, mm-hmm. and I did a grade for each first round pick, and both of them got an A plus from me.
1: Good. So you agree.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm. I have I have a better time dissecting the Hawks more fairly than even the Devils, because the Hawks are a team I love. But I'm. I could It's easier for me to be harsher on them when I need to be. Where the mm-hmm. Devils, I always try to find a silver lining, even when I shouldn't be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the, the Hawks they did very well in the first round. I I love what they've done, um, Frank. And then we touched on this a little bit. Columbus, they landed Brindley in the second round. We all thought he'd go in the first round. He was taken with the second pick of the second round, pick number 34. Um, him and Fantilli were line mates at Michigan. Now there's a chance they'll be line mates in the NHL. Brindley will go back for another year. It'll be a while yeah. before they skate together in the NHL because even when Brindley does come up, chances are he'll have to earn that spot on a line
1: with Fantilli. But, you know. This may be the steal of the draft, to be honest with you, because you're getting him in the second round. I mean, he's first-round caliber talent, you can argue. Which we argue. talked about happening. Right. To some teams, he's first-round caliber talent. To really, to every team he should be. But the fact that the Blue Jacks were able to get him in the second round is a steal. Like, if the Predators or Capitals chose him, like, what, uh, like early in the first round, that's not a steal. You're able to get a guy of his caliber in the second round and after already drafting Adam Fantilli. I mean, it really can't get better than that. You mentioned their line mates, or they they were line mates in Michigan. They got the chemistry of playing together, and now they're going to bring that chemistry to the Blue Jackets. And the Blue Jackets already have a fairly deep prospect pool, and it just got deeper. I mean, it's a huge win for the Columbus Blue Jackets in the draft as well.
0: I would rank the Hawks one because they have Bedard, which means every team in the league would want their thing right now. Even if the rest of the guys are shit, they have Bedard. But the rest of the guys aren't shit. Right? I haven't done my official post-draft prospect rankings for the Hawks yet, mm-hmm. which I probably should do that soon because we're a week removed from the first round today. I actually might do that for tomorrow considering it will be a week removed from the draft being complete. Bedard is one. I saw Lucas Reichel second on a lot of people's. I'm high on Korczynski. I would put him second. Then I would put Lucas Reichel third. And I would put Oliver Moore fourth. And I would put Frank Nazar fifth. That's my top five Blackhawks prospects. Swear. I'd probably put Camesso sixth. Um, you know, their top ten farm is outstanding. I would rank them number one, I think. But Columbus, they might be too.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Columbus got a very good prospect pool. I mean, they Fantilli fell into their lap. And then, like I said, they got a steal in the second round. Like, if you're Columbus, you're probably not thinking like he's going to be there with that pick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They They absolutely weren't.
1: So two players fell into their lap.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Frank, there were no trades in the first round for the first time in multiple decades. Kind of annoy you a little bit? Kind of annoyed me a little bit.
1: Well, so here's the thing. I'm pretty sure they said this was the first time there were no trades since 2007, which would be nearing two decades, right? You know where I'm getting at here. Yeah. That was the last time and the only time other time that the Blackhawks had the number one pick in the draft where they selected Patrick Kane leads me to believe that every time, if the Hawks ever draft number one, again, it's never for certain, but if they ever do, there'll be no drafts or no trades in the draft. I mean, how crazy is that? But then on the flip side, you got to think with how much talent there is in this year's draft, it makes sense that there were no trades, right? However, I still thought something was going to happen. I mean, Kevin Weeks mentioned something before it, like, oh, I'm expecting some trades to go down during the draft. But, I mean, how crazy is that?
0: It's freaking insane. Um, Tom made me think, and I looked it up. Um, Sharpie did not play center in 2010. He played left wing. 2C was probably John Madden, actually. But maybe they have a lot of guys listed as wings though. I thought it was Brower. Maybe it was Sharp and he's just listed as a left wing.
1: I don't know. It's possible. I mean that Taves,
0: happens. Taves is the only one on the team that was uh near the top of the team in scoring that was a center. Patrick Kane led the team in the 0-9-10 season. Kane led the team with eighty eight points. Duncan Keith was in second with sixty-nine points. Nice. Taves was third with sixty-eight to see a guy listed as a center, you'd have to go all the way down to pick to number 11. Uh, John Madden had 23 points. So I'm sure some of those guys did actually. Bolin was definitely third or fourth line center. Most of these other guys probably didn't play all that much center. So yeah, that's probably true actually. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, the The trade situation, it was interesting, but. You know, so there'll be, down, yeah, that's the thing, like you said. Right, like who's and gonna? There,
1: there were a couple teams who tried to trade up too. I heard, and they failed because yep, Philly, talented.
0: especially. Yeah,
1: uh, they're yeah, probably Philly. happy they didn't. <laughs> and it's just, but they—they actually, I think they mentioned they tra- tried to trade up to get Mitch Cobb. Yeah, they did. And it failed, and they still got him. But that's just how hard it is to trade up. Like, it's a very talented draft. So at the end of the day, I'm surprised there are no trades. But then you think about it, it's like, are you really?
0: Yeah, next year's draft isn't this one, but it's still really good.
1: There will be trades next year during yeah, the draft.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Frank, who's your biggest winners and your biggest losers of the 2023 NHL draft?
1: My four winners, really, there's nothing else to say, anything about them, so I'm not going to elaborate. Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Flyers, and Sharks, we touched on it. Blue Jackets and Blackhawks, they had two of the best drafts this year. Flyers had Mitch Koff fall into their lap. Absolutely. Um, going to be, Why are you, what are you doing? Why are you shocked?
0: You named my four.
1: Oh, well, I thought I didn't
0: know you named the
1: sharks. Well, they you were.
0: Said, oh my god! Good
1: shit. I mean, I got a brain. Fair. I mean, Will Smith is. Sometimes great. I forget that. And I mean, yeah, they're huge winners here because he's he's going to be one of the best players, and like you said, maybe he will be the second best player in the draft. So I think they're big winners for that. Absolutely. Um, the losers, however, I I got two losers for you. That's the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes. Are those your two? No way.
0: I swear to God. I was going to also, like, <laughs> I was going to give a nod to, like, there was another team that I thought had a stinky draft, but I, I wrote down four winners and two losers. I swear. That's unreal.
1: That is unreal. Well, I, the reason I chose the Canadians is one of my losers is because, first of all, we didn't think any D-men were going to go in the first round, let alone be taken in the top five. Ryan backer might be a great D man, but with one of the most talented offensive drafts in the palm of your hands, it seemed like a wasted opportunity. Mitch was still available if they wanted him. It was just a huge loss for them. Not only that, but like the coyotes did the same thing. Simashev being taken at six seemed like a stretch. I mean, he was even surprised that he was taken that early, which is bad when the guy you're drafting is stunned that he was taken that early. I mean, he Daniel Butt. What did he go? He went uh, twelve. Twelve, yeah, he went twelve. I mean, that's a pretty decent player to get at twelve. But there were plenty of other players that were great that were still available. Zach Benson, Matthew Wood, Oliver Moore, just seemed like they could have done better. And I think they just shit the bed.
0: Absolutely, I agree. And I the other really team, the other team I was thinking of was Nashville. I think Nashville. I I thought they could have did better at being like the hometown team, I thought they would make a trade or do something huge. So I kind of listed them as a loser, even though they're not necessarily a loser in the way that uh, Montreal and Arizona are. And then I did want to touch on Buffalo too. I thought Buffalo landing um, Zach Benson, he was kind of my draft crush. I thought he'd go top 10 and Buffalo ended up getting him at 13, which like the Coyotes took butt over, which
1: I would have taken Benson over, but
0: yeah, it's <laughs> pronounced, it's pronounced boot, but we're going to continue to say, butt cause it's funny. Um, but yeah, Benson, he was in my top five. I had him going five to Montreal. So I like Axel Sandin Polica for Detroit. Um, I wouldn't consider them a winner of the draft by any means, but when you touch on the sharks, I was also going to bring up, they got Quinton musty, our guy, Tom's guy. They got musty at 26 with the pick. The devils gave them for Timo Meyer. Forgot about that. So, you know, just really good draft for all those guys, all those teams, um, do you have a favorite unmentioned draft story?
1: I think I kind of had to figure out what you meant by that, but David Reinbeck, Reinbacher, Bach, Bach, it's probably Bacher. David Reinbacher. He became the first Austrian born defenseman ever to be selected in the first round. That just let that sink in. That's just, I mean, he was chosen at number five. He became the first Austrian born defenseman ever to be selected in the first round. That How is just, years? Many there's not players? a ton. There's not a ton, but if you there's a couple notable ones if you look. Vanek was he was a first
0: round pick. No, like you. No, I know, I know. I'm just yeah. saying, like yeah. that's so impressive.
1: Wow. And it's it's just like, I I get it's not like this crazy story, but like the the game of hockey is growing. There's Austrian players that are going to come be good. I mean, we're going to see more countries. Produce top level NHL athletes, and Reindl being the a top, the first ever Austrian born defenseman to be drafted in the first round just kind of blew my mind because you figure here or there there's going to be an Austrian defenseman coming to the league and be like top notch. Let alone taken in the top five. Even though if I were the the Canadians, I wouldn't have had him going five. And then uh, Carey Price botched his name, which was kind of embarrassing. It was like kind of I can tell you. it. But, like, how do you not know who you're drafting? Yeah. Like, for one, it's got to be an embarrassment for Carey Price. He seemed like he was a little like, oh, I can't believe I messed it up. And for the kid, it's like, seriously, one of the greatest goalies of all time just botched my name? That's got to make me feel good. And the biggest
0: moment of my life, probably. Yeah, yeah.
1: But then again, he'll never forget the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There is the extra (laughs) wrinkle to, like, laugh on, too. But, I mean, yeah. My the story i was gonna bring up, I you were right, the Hawks took a goalie. I was stunned they were the first team to take a goalie. And they took uh what's his name? I don't know how yeah, to pronounce it. Is it yeah. Gajin? Gajin Gajan. I don't know how to G- pronounce Gajin, it. Gajin, Gajin, um Gajin, he was the goalie he know. was the goalie for uh Slovakia in the world juniors, and one of Connor Bedard's most famous goals that he scored in his draft year was against him, which I think is hilarious. Now they're teammates. Um, but hey, the Hawks—they're one of those teams
1: right what now that I are stalking tell you goalies. What did I, did I know tell you? the streak was coming to an end, though. I heard the whispers. Each of our teams
0: ended a goalie streak this year. The Devils drafted one every year since 2014, and they didn't this year.
1: Guyon, Guyan. On. Thanks for the phonetic spelling, Skokes.
0: Absolutely, Guyon. It's not the first time Skox has corrected us on how to say things, like including his own his own nickname. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and you know it's funny, Skox. That doesn't even come to my mind anymore. Like no, it's naturally Skox now. Me either. <laughs> um, love Skox. Hope to see you at a Bears training camp this year. We'll sit together and break down some football. Um, but yeah, that's it on the draft. It was a fun time. Um, hell yeah, man! Team's trying to get better making dreams come true. That's what it's all about. We have a lot to get to in terms of free agency in period number three. Frank, we're just going to roll through them. You're going to tell there's me whether or not there's a lot. We're not even, we're probably not even going to get to them all.
1: That's fine. Like
0: the just the ones I've written down are the ones
1: I'm doing. You say a, I'll talk about it.
0: Yep. Do a quick reaction. I'll throw in a comment yep. or two here and there. All right. Matt Duchesne was bought out by the Nashville Predators. They're going to have yeah. that cap hit for the next couple of years. I think it's half of what their salary was, so it's four mil for Duchesne. He signs with the Dallas Stars.
1: Your thoughts? Yeah, $3 million for one year for the Dallas Stars. I could see Duchesne playing on the third line with possibly Tyler Sagan, maybe having a 20-goal score. If he could get 20 goals plus goals on your third line, that's highly dangerous, especially with the team that is in contention to win the Cup. That's a huge win for the Dallas Stars, in my opinion.
0: I think the Stars are one of the best teams in the NHL. I think they're certainly one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Duchesne is a better – uh, he's an Huge upgrade fan. over Max Domi. Love Max Domi, but he's an upgrade yeah. over Max Domi. Um, Stars fans are going to love him. Can't wait to watch Absolutely. him play. He, he might even find himself higher than the third line. I know – I understand, like, optically it would look great to have him on the third line, and that's what I hope they do because that will create yeah. the most depth for them. Absolutely.
1: Um, and they, you know, they're great, great player, yeah, too. Yeah, for
0: sure. Absolutely. Um, off year last year, but the year before he was insane. And I think he'll get and back the, to being insane. And that's in what I'm game.
1: saying. If he could get to 20 goals again, that's, that's a great asset to have on your team.
0: 100%. Klingberg, Reeves, Bertuzzi, and Domi all go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's as stacked as this team has been in the Austin Matthews era. And I know yeah. we say that every year. But I was going to
1: say we say it every year, but yeah. I didn't necessarily see Toronto making all these moves, in all honesty. I thought changes had to be made, but this is way more than I expected. And I know you talked about the odds of winning the cup. When I checked last night, the Leafs had the second best odds. I guess it all depends on whatever book you're looking Isn't at. Isn't that what I said? No, you said they weren't even in the top three.
0: No, I said, said
1: Colorado and uh, the Leafs. No, no, I, I swear it wasn't the Leafs. Oh, I, I meant I, the Leafs. Yeah. So they Afghans, the cool.
0: I think the Leafs were one.
1: The Devils were actually tied with Toronto when I looked for the second. Oh, best
0: oh. And it changed uh, even since then. They were tied with but, Carolina when I looked for third.
1: Yeah, I don't but, – but anyway, I mean, they're the second best odds to win the Cup. And why – I do think winning the Cup – or yeah, winning the Cup takes more than just having a good group of players. This offseason has been a major win for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're filling roles for each type of player. They get the Gritzy Reeves. They get a great defenseman. They get Domi and Bertuzzi, two guys who contribute to scoring. I mean, they're literally filling in pieces for every aspect of a team.
0: Would you pick the Leafs to win a playoff series?
1: Depends who they play. Right now, maybe. The curse is over. But it depends Over. they play.
0: Do you have a second-round curse now, or if they win I, one round, they can win four?
1: We'll see. I still think they. it's a mindset thing, too. I don't necessarily... They wouldn't be my pick to win the cup. This year. No,
0: I actually hate the Klingberg signing, and I hate the Reeves signing. I love the Bertuzzi and Domi signing. Because you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to hit Nylander in the playoffs, or Marner, and they're just going to pan to Reeves on the bench, doing nothing about it. So <laughs> that's what's going to happen for him. And then Klingberg... He'll run a power play. He'll help Austin Matthews get back into the high 50s for goals again on the power play, and he is the worst defensive defenseman I have ever seen in my entire life. That's why the second the Dallas Stars struck gold with Miro Heiskanen, they're like, okay, Klingberg, go get $7 million somewhere else because you have 50 points, 40 of them are on the power play, and he's basically Eric Gustafson. And Eric Gustafson was better defensively with Washington this last season than Klingberg. He was. There's no doubt about it. I hate. I, I don't hate Klingberg. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. I hate Klingberg's game. I wouldn't want the Devils to go near him with a 50 foot pole. I don't care if he has 100 points.
1: Well, breaking news: Devils signing him next off season.
0: Yeah, but then he'll he'll be on the same team as Jack, so he'll probably be sick. Um, if I was the Leafs, the Leafs don't have a Marino or a, you know a freaking Dougie Hamilton though, like a guy who's solid hard. defensively. He's going to have to play with like. A shut-down defenseman. Maybe they, they're
1: going to make more moves.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. And Reeves, I don't think the Leafs need a guy like Reeves, but I don't know. That's just my opinion. I do think the Leafs, though, they're top nine. With Bertuzzi and Domi, it's right there with the Devils for the best in the NHL. Yeah. They're over the cap, though. They're one of two teams over the cap. So will they trade Nylander? Will they Ooh. trade Marner?
1: I that would like be a big. I feel like with all these moves, though, they they don't want to. They got these players to help Marner and Matthews. I know. Ander.
0: I know. I but, used to you know, not think Matthews was going to sign long term either. Now I kind of think he will, like soon before the off over, like an eight year deal.
1: Should be, and I'm excited to see what happens when we get yeah. the breaking news.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Yamamoto
1: went to Seattle. Yeah. Thoughts. One year, one and a half million. From Washington, he gets to play for his home state. A couple years ago, he had 20 goals. Last season, he only had 10 goals. This feels like the right place for Yamamoto, though. I mean, we see players come to expansion teams all the time with that new life sensation and end up having breakout years. Plus, he might have more fuel in his fire because he's playing for the state he grew up in. I don't know. I I think it's a pretty okay deal for the Kraken.
0: Love the deal for the Kraken. He's an upgrade over Donato. Um, and I think he'll he'll probably play if he's not playing with Ben years, maybe he'll play with Shane Wright. Like I do think Shane Wright makes the Kraken this year and plays every game with them if he's healthy. Um, I don't know. I like the move for Seattle. It's a nice little yeah, depth I mean, piece it's
1: not for bad, them, for sure.
0: Um, this is probably my favorite move of the off season. Like for that team, like an underrated move that nobody's going to talk about, but you'll see how much it pays dividends for them. And once the season starts, and that's uh, Rodriguez to Florida,
1: four years. average per year. You know, he was used to signing so many one-year contracts, and he said that signing a longer-term contract made him feel great, and it kind of improved his confidence. Um, When a team believes in you, he said it feels good. And, you know, when he played with Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby, he ended up getting a career-high 19 goals. Who knows what he'll be doing alongside Barkov or even Sam Bennett, right? This team got to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. They were the President Trophy winners the year before. I don't think that they're going to repeat necessarily all that, but Evan or Evan Rodriguez definitely helps that cause.
0: Absolutely. I think their top nine just got better. I I would try him on every line. He seems like he could play every line. I'm excited for Florida. I do think they're a playoff team as of right now. I reserve the right to change that based on moves as the offseason goes along, but I'd be surprised if the Stanley Cub runner ups upgrading to Rodriguez would not make them a better team and thus Mm -hmm. maybe next year is not as much of a struggle in the first half of the season um I, I know I said Yamamoto was an upgrade over Donato but that doesn't mean Ryan Donato won't be a great fourth line center and or winger for the Chicago Blackhawks this season your thoughts
1: yeah, earlier in the second period I talked about how I think he's going to center the line with Felino and Perry. If, if I had to guess, that's just my you know that's just what I'm kind of thinking in my head. So this, is a, this is a guy that's not going to fill up the score sheet but is capable of being a great double-digit goal scorer maybe. On the third or fourth line, I think uh, this move is going to make an, a major impact on the team. Even when he's not collecting points, I think he's going to impact the Hawks many other ways. So, you know, former Bruin. So I'm excited to have him on the team.
0: Absolutely, former
1: Bruin and former Wild. He was traded for Charlie Coyle, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Um, Goss spare and comfort to Detroit. They're probably going to trade for Alex DeBrinket later this week, or you know, sometime during the off season. What do you think about Goss spare and comfort to Detroit as they look to bulk up this year?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean the the scouts did not expect. Ghost to be like how he is now. They thought he'd be a little bit better. However, on Detroit, Ghost going to be brought in to try and contribute on their power play a little bit. If he could get 10 goals and more than 40 points, that's a win for the Red Wings. He offers more offense than defense. So you're definitely going to see that out of Shane Goss bear As far as JT Comfort goes, he had a career best 52 points last year with the Avalanche and now comes to Detroit on a five-year 25 and a half million dollar deal. Confer decided to come to the Red Wings because he loves Steve Iver- He loves what Steve Eiserman's trying to build here. And he's going to be reunited with his Michigan teammates in Larkin and Cop from back in 2014. Those were two big selling points for him. I think that's going to pan out very well for him, hence the five year deal. We shall see. If they do end up getting to brink it, something else we mentioned last week is he was the Red Wings are one of the teams I thought he might be willing to go because he's from Michigan. And if that happens, then these two players, along with the Brinkett and the rest of the core team, it's going to be a pretty good team.
0: I think so, too. Um, a lot of Nashville's moves before our last show suggested that they were going to start a rebuild, mm-hmm. and really, that's not true. They're just they're liars. They're, they were liars. Um, sure. They're trying to build down the middle a lot more. A lot of their focus was on the wing and on defense before last week, Well, Barry Trotz clearly believes and building down the middle. You think of some of his old teams in the past, um, you know, as a coach when he was with Washington, it was all about Evgeny Kuznetsov and Nicholas Backstrom down the middle. Um, Ovechkin's going to pump out 50 goals, but, you know, the 50-goal scoring winger isn't going to help you win in the playoffs. The two centermen down the middle playing on both ends of the ice, you know, feeding that 50-goal scoring winger, that's the key to winning in the playoffs. And I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. It was Nashville that Barry Trotz coached before. Um, the Capitals, but you know, he's clearly putting an emphasis on center and it'll be interesting to see. What do you think of the moves Nashville has made so far?
1: Ryan O'Reilly signed a four-year contract. Luke Shen signed a three-year contract. I mean, these are, you look at, you were very high up on the Predators last year. They kind of had a letdown year in many eyes uh, around the NHL and the Predators are going to hopeful, be hopeful that O'Reilly and Shen and other players that they bring in are going to, you know, turn this around for them because they don't want to go through the rebuild. If, if O'Reilly could get back to being a 20 goal scorer again, which who knows, maybe not. I don't know if I see it with the Preds. Maybe that's going to be a big win for them. But I, I mean, they're trying to not rebuild because of their, I think they know what their expectations were last year. And they think that they could get there again without having to fully rebuild. So I think that's what they're trying to do here. We'll see if it works out.
0: And what do you make of the moves that the Pittsburgh Penguins have made so far this off season?
1: You know, I, I, could you roll through some of them in my head? Because I'm, like, drawing a blank.
0: Here, let me pull up Cap Friendly while we – so I can see exactly what players they signed. I know they signed a bunch, and it kind of – I remember thinking when I saw it that
1: – I know they made a lot of moves, but I just forgot a whole bunch.
0: But I'm, like – I'm looking at the moves that they've made, and I'm, like, this really doesn't match what I thought Pittsburgh was going to do this off season. So, like, Nolachari's going over to Pittsburgh, uh-huh. um, which is obviously – you know, something that's big. Um, oh, Alex Dalkovich, they're bringing him in as a goaltender, and they signed Tristan Jari long-term. And then, of course, the biggest move that they made, in my opinion, is the Ryan Graves contract. They got Ryan Graves from the New Jersey Devils after he had a that's pretty right. significant good season with them this last season. So Noel Achari. Oh, they signed Lars Eller as well, you know, the Stanley Cup champion with the Washington Capitals. Um, so Eller, Achari. Um Graves and Nedeljkovic—that's that, some significant signings. The Penguins are not—they're not rebuilding while Sidney they, Crosby's. I was Asian just gonna say.
1: Not. I was just gonna say they don't want to have to go through rebuilding with the core, not only Sidney Crosby but Malkin, Latang. They want to try and win again before tearing it down. Maybe this is a last-ditch effort, right? They're getting older. We don't know how long they have left with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nedeljkovic coming in and backing up Jari—that's not bad. I mean, Nedeljkovic to me is a little shaky from what I've seen. Don't necessarily trust him, but he's going to be your backup. But if things go wrong with Jari, I don't know if you're going to be able to lead on Nadelkovich as you may, you know, other backups in the league. But, you know, who knows how that'll work out. But it's clear that they're trying to contend. Move The moves that they made were pretty big. So, obviously, them missing the postseason last year kind of fueled their fire. They want to get back there, and maybe these moves will help them do so.
0: 100%. And I kind of respect what they're doing. Like, their farm system, shit. Like their farm system is just complete dog shit. They know, hey, we just got to spend money until and try and go for it while we have this core intact. And then it's probably going to take five years for the Penguins to get back into contention once they really once Crosby's gone and Malkin's gone. Latang, I really don't see them being good for a very long time. But I think they have two or three more years of really trying to go for this thing. And
1: you think that long, huh?
0: Like of them being good?
1: No, like you think like because they could be traded too. You don't think they're going to be traded? Do you think they just play it In out? the final
0: year of their contracts, it's possible, which Sid isn't entering his final year of the contract. I wrote a tweet about the Bruins acquiring Crosby. Not, I didn't <laughs> hear anything. This is just strictly like, you yeah. know, Crosby trying to get a last-ditch effort to win the Cup. Like, if the Penguins are way out of it and the Bruins are running Charlie Coyle as their number one center next season, like, could they bring in Sid? Like, the Bruins are probably hanging on to a wild-card spot regardless. Um... I don't know. Uh I I don't I just don't see the Penguins ever trading Crosby though. I, I mean the Hawks traded Kane but I didn't Kane, think that about Kane. Kane's Kane, not Crosby.
1: Kane yeah, I know, but it's just it's still does. to me that doesn't matter. I still think if Kane was traded for an iconic, he was an iconic player for the Hawks. And I think the same could be said with Crosby. I mean, no one's untradeable. We say that all the time. Hello. I think, you hear we me, lost, I think we lost Vinny. I, I think I'm here. here. Am I here? You were here for a second. You're here now, but Good. I didn't hear you for like 10 seconds.
0: Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, and it's also, I think it's raining outside. But uh, my Wi-Fi likes to disconnect and connect to the extender, and then that messes things up. I don't know why it does that to me. Um, I'm going to figure out a way to forget that thing so that doesn't happen to me anymore. Um, but, yeah, I don't... <sighs> the Penguins trade Crosby, that would be huge. But clearly that's not going to happen for a while here. Um, Once they are done, whether it's this year, next year, the year after that, um, they are going to suck, suck. Like devil's bad for the decade.
1: They have no farm system. 50 points, 55 points. I think they have the 32nd best farm system. So you think they're going to be like old Buffalo days or like 58-point seasons and –
0: yeah, which they'll get another generational player in 10 years because they'll <laughs> be that bad. Like, the Penguins have it all figured out, actually. You suck for a little bit, wait for that generational player, maybe get lucky with Malkin, and then boom. Because, you know, they won the they won the Crosby lottery, which was held after a season that didn't exist. So I'm pretty sure every team had the same odds, mm-hmm. and they got Crosby. Great. So. Good for them. Miles Wood to Colorado. Weird contract.
1: I Yeah, I don't know how many years he signed. Six. Six years at how much per year? Two-something. Yeah. I mean, six years is a lot. I mean, he got it's the right the term. amount. Yeah, yeah. he the got term. the right Yeah, it's the term. He got the right amount of money. He's like a 20-point player. I think the he, he's got like 30 points once in his career, a little more than 30 points once in his career. But, um, I mean, the Colorado Avalanche, man, they're trying to be good. They are very good. Miles Whittle add some bottom six depth to their team. I mean, what, what is your takeaway? I mean, he was an ex-devil, so he, he, he
0: adds he had speed. Um, his hands are brick walls. I've never seen a guy miss breakaways more. <laughs> um, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Michael Grabner a little bit. Michael Grabner, oh, really? but, but Michael Grabner put together like a heavy goal scoring season a couple times. Miles Wood, his hands are literally like, like, I think I have better hands. I do. I honestly think that his hands. he, I've never seen a guy get a breakaway and miss the net more. When you're on a breakaway, you better not miss the net. You have no defenders on you. You have to hit the net. And there are times where when he does hit the net, he literally just shoots it into the logo. I honestly was starting to believe for a while that he aimed for the logo. <laughs> And I'm like, there's no way. And listen, he'll score 10 goals. I think he did. I think he had a 19 goal season once, which is nice. But I mean, Miles
1: would have 19 goals.
0: Yeah. Miles would have had a 19 goal season. Probably the
1: year he got 32 points.
0: It was the yeah. Most of his points are always goals. He doesn't he's not he doesn't drive offense. He gets on breakaways. He kills penalties. Um, it was the year they made the playoffs. They had nine, he had 19 goals. The year with yeah. Hall, the MVP yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so he'll add depth to the Colorado Avalanche, Absolutely. but, you know, he's physical, big, big, Six mean years. guy. Six years is a lot for a guy who has brick hands. But, you know, he was he always worked hard for the Devils. I do give him that. He was always a soldier. They weren't good for most of his time there, so I wish him well in Colorado. Um, James Franco, his twin, Miles Wood. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what do you think of the Bruins' moves?
1: See, Joey was over on July first, and he was rattling the Bruins' moves. I don't remember most of them either. You might have to refresh my memory. I do know Milan Lucic is back as the Bruins with the Bruins. Um, I forgot the other ones. Yep, they got
0: there. Morgan Geeky.
1: Morgan Geeky, that always a, a
0: really fun yeah. name,
1: and he's a, and he's a great player. Yeah, Morgan
0: Geeky's awesome.
1: I was hoping the Hawks were going to like pick him up or something. but They
0: got James Van Hockey.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's all coming back to me.
0: Patrick Brown. They signed Jason Magna, but I'm not sure if he'll play in the NHL very much. I remember when he was with the Penguins. And they signed uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. So they have Shattenkirk, Van Riemsdyk, yeah. Van Hockey. Now I remember. Um, Lou Cheech and Geeky. We'll see what happens with Bergeron and Krejci. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think the Bruins will be they'll be good next
1: year. They're trying everything, man. It's like a last ditch effort. Like we don't want to go through a rebuild. We're going to sign some of these older type guys. And uh, Geeky is uh, actually a good pickup for them. A uh, Younger side, obviously. And, you know, he's going to he's going to make an impact on this Bruins team. Shattenkirk obviously uh the Shattenkirk and jvr i mean it it's not the jvr of the past obviously but um it just seems like they're grasping in here like they're so close to tearing it down they're right there i truly believe that maybe like not tearing it down tearing it down and getting rid of like pasta and marshan and all that but they're they're very very close to being middle of the pack t- to like bottom tier bubble team style is what i think truly not maybe not this year, but they're close.
0: I think people going into the season they will under they'll underrate Brad Marchand. He could have a hundred points. Pasternak had sixty goals. He's like twenty five. Uh, McAvoy is a top five defenseman in the NHL. I really like Carlo. I really like Grizzly. I mean, their defense is good. They have two good goaltenders. The Vesna Trophy winner. I'm not sure both of them will be on the roster by the start of the season, but they'll have one good goalie. I don't think I just don't think the Bruins are going to be like
1: I don't think bad. they're gonna be awful, but they're close. I got them
0: I got them top three in the um, Atlantic Division.
1: That's fair.
0: Um, it's hard though. McAvoy's twenty five and Pasternak is twenty seven. So how do you rebuild with two? Uh, you know, Pasternak's a top five for, uh winger, and McAvoy's a top five defenseman. How do you rebuild when you have those two guys on your roster? It's going to be
1: hard. It's gonna be hard, but they might have to. Their farm system stinks.
0: I know it stinks, but it's not like it's not like waiting for Crosby and Malkin to be done. Those guys are in their late thirties. Uh, McAvoy and uh, Pasternak, in a way, they're kind of just getting started. Yeah. So we like can
1: rebuild on the fly and not completely tear everything down. And
0: that's kind of what I think they're doing this season. Like you know. They got Jake DeBrusque over time. They traded for Taylor Hall. Like There are ways to, you know, this year might be like a, a retool year mm-hmm. and they still make the playoffs but not necessarily be considered a cup favorite. But then in two years from now, with McAvoy and Poster not leading the way, if the Bruins were like really good again, I really wouldn't be all that surprised. But they would need a little bit of luck, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody could use a little bit of luck.
0: What about Leon Dreisaitl for the Bruins? Do
1: you think after next to the Bru- year?
0: No, he's a free he'll, he's going to lead his free agent class.
1: I don't think he's going to Do you think he's going to sign with a different team? It's
0: possible.
1: I mean I, I don't see guys, it. I don't, think, I don't see it. I don't think. I think he's stuck with the Oilers. I think he's going to re-sign there.
0: Maybe. Maybe but that How do you want to
1: leave McDavid?
0: No, it's that yeah. I mean, <laughs> let me look at the year.
1: I, I, I think How do you uh, want to leave?
0: There's that big draft class where...
1: Come to the Hawks. Play with Bedard. Dreisaitl? Yeah.
0: Well, Dreisaitl's incredible. Yeah. He's got two... So, at the 2025 summer, as of right now, the you know, this free agent class sucked. Bertuzzi might have legitimately, or, or Domi, I guess Patrick Kane, but Patrick Kane isn't the same Patrick Kane with his hip injury. You know, he might prove us all wrong, but right now he was like the fifth best forward available. Um, Bertuzzi and Domi, like, led the class this year. The, um, 2025 summer, Matthews and Dreisaitl.
1: One of them's coming to the Hawks. We'll see. That would be insane. Like, that why
2: not?
1: sidle want to test the waters with different Connors. No more time yeah. with David. Come to Connor with
0: Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. Um, Talbot to the Kings. Yeah. I like, I like the move, personally.
1: I do, too. I mean... Cam Talbot played for Todd McClellan when he was on Edmonton in 2017. He feels very uh, comfortable playing with Todd McClellan under his system. The LA Kings are at a point where they're trying to win, and so is Talbot. And with Corpusello gone, Copley and Talbot will be the duo in net for the Kings. I mean, things could get a little scary. I don't know if I necessarily buy into the duo, but I don't hate the idea of adding Talbot to this Kings team.
0: It's their weak point, for it's sure. Absolutely. It's not a weak point like the Devils' weak point, though, where, like, in the regular season, I trust Vanacek and Schmidt to do just fine.
1: I see a little regression from the Los Angeles Kings this year.
0: For sure. I kind of agree because I think the Ducks will be better. Uh, they have Pierre-Luc Dubois, though. They do. It'll be a nice duo with him and Kopitar down the middle, but um, Dowdy's not the same. Uh, I kind of agree with you. Um, and their, their top five picks haven't panned out. Nobody wants to admit it. But Byfield hasn't lived up to being the second overall pick. And Turcott hasn't lived up to being the fifth overall pick. So, And other guys have. Kiev, um, they, they have a lot of young players uh, that really developed nicely. But it's kind of like the Rangers. The Rangers were really good at drafting outside of the top ten. But then once it came to having the first pick and the second pick, they didn't do a good job drafting Lafreniere and Kako. And it's kind of the same thing going on. With the Kings. Um, they, the the Rangers would be Stanley Cup contenders if Lafreniere and Taco lived up to expectations. I feel the same way about the Kings with Turcotte and Byfield.
1: You want my honest opinion? Yeah. This is going you might be stunned. I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs.
0: I wouldn't either. Edmonton, Vegas, the Kraken. And then the Central could pump out five playoff teams.
1: Maybe the if Preds that, are better. You never know.
0: Maybe yeah. the Preds are better. Maybe the Jets find a way to st- if they keep Hellebuck. As of right now, they still have Hellebuck and Chifley. Maybe the Hawks slip in as an eight seed. No shot. Never know. Not with not with Peter. Not with <laughs> Millimeter Peter in the net.
1: You never know.
0: Maybe. Um, I That bottom six you named, Frank, I hate it. I vehemently hate really? it. I like what they're doing in the top six. I like what they're building. They're gonna give up a lot of goals next year. They'll be fun. They'll be fun as hell to watch. We'll
1: see. You never know. You I, never know.
0: I'm secretly hoping for a hundred points for Bedard in a bad season overall. Max Celebrini, man, go fucking go for the rebuild the right way. Like you already see, I was God, right about was
1: miserable this season.
0: It's well, next year you're not gonna be miserable.
1: Wow. Well, and and nice.
0: next year and next year, there would be a lot of luck involved with the lottery. I think they would need to win it as like the sixth worst team or seventh worst I team. I really don't
1: want them to be that bad again. Like that bad last year. They're not gonna be as bad as they were this year.
0: No, they're not. They're not they'll have they'll have six percent odds of winning the lottery. That's like my guess. They'll be like the eighth worst team. They'll be they'll be what the coyotes were this year. You know, where you can't count on them to win, but they'll beat the Bruins twice. Like the Coyotes did. Like the Coyotes had like fun stretches and Clayton Keller had eighty points. That's my comparable for next year in Thanks. terms of my early summer prediction for the Hawks next year. Um, right out of L.A., though, Jonathan Quick. He won the Stanley Cup with Vegas, even though he wasn't playing. Um, he goes to the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers are actually probably going to use him as Igor Shesterkin's backup. Yeah, he'll, re- he will. Replacing Yaroslav
1: Halak. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, signed. Up. it's only a one-year deal, 850 deal, k So, I mean, it's fine. Ah, oh, man, I used to love Quick, and I'm kind of out on him now. I mean, he had his good stress, stretch with Vegas. Um, he was fairly decent there. It should be interesting how the Rangers utilize him, um, but I actually don't see this panning out for the Rangers in a good way. So I, I agree. Think, I, I think he's going to be a lot less reliable on the Rangers. I say he's cut by Christmas. That's fair. And they find He'll a different good. backup. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue that. I think it's going to actually be... A snowball effect. I think it's a terrible move by the Rangers, to be honest. Yep.
0: With you. He grew up a Rangers fan, and he beat the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final, so it's a nice little send-off for Jonathan Quick in his career, but I'm a little surprised that a team like the Rangers, who have the best goalie in the world, to pull this out of their head as the backup.
1: I would have rather Halak, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about unsigned players? Taves, Kane? Anybody Taves, else on your I still radar? Think,
1: I still think Taves is going to retire. I don't think anybody's going to pick him up think uh the end of his career is near and as far as Kane goes he said he's not going to sign until after his surgery is complete and he's recovered so sources say that could take up to five months I mean maybe even by the trade deadline he's ready to sign with the team he I know for a fact he's not going to be signed before the start of the season I, I think he's made that very clear I what if this is a master manipulating plan by Patrick Kane the Hawks end up being a bubble team At the trade deadline, he wants to help him get back into the playoffs. And he's just waiting to sign that contract.
0: I think that would be a shit move by the Hawks. They're smarter than that.
1: I love it for old time's sake.
0: Kyle Davidson is smarter than that. He's got my line of thinking. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to.
1: I know. That's what I'm scared about.
0: No. (laughs) See you later to the past. Let's develop a dart. You don't need. I agree with everything he said about comparing, but if you're going to bring in Taylor Hall and Corey Perry and Nick Felino, why not just keep Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane? You think it's the same thing in the room? You think Connor Bedard's going to be able to grow into a leader if Taves and Kane are there compared to Perry and Felino? Perry and Felino great players. Perry won a hard trophy, so did it all. But, I mean, no, it's just not the same thing. Franchise icons being in the room would change Bedard's. I mean, attitude Taves entirely. is one of the
1: best leaders of all in, in nhl history
0: i know that i think he's yeah, the I, best leader
1: yeah right so i get what you're saying but. i just
0: don't think it, it wouldn't be an easy transition for bedard to take over as the leader if Taves was still there
1: see.
0: so i don't know i <laughs> onward and upward kyle davidson onward and upward let Patrick Kane and his offensive efficiency with terrible defensive efficiency go play in Colorado, where he'll be on the same ice as Kale McCarr basically every single time. All I'm
1: saying is, if there is a chance that they were a bubble team, come trade line, I wouldn't be shocked if he signed with the Hawks. Yeah, I, I also we. I don't see him coming back. Let's make that clear. No, I know. I'm just. I think there's a chance. There's always a chance if something like that were to happen.
0: We disagree on his timeline, though. He signs when he's ready to play. He's not waiting till the trade deadline. If he's ready to play in November, right around his birthday there, at mid-November, he signs with a team.
1: I think there's 0% chance he signs by the end of 2023.
0: You have to sign by December 1st to play in the season.
1: Then I think that's when he'll – I didn't know that. Well, then I think he'll sign like the day before December 1st. Whatever the last day is, I don't think – I think he's waiting a long time.
0: We'll see. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I say he signed before uh, August is over.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah, he's gonna want some because they literally like said he's not gonna sign. I know, but the way all the insiders talk about like free agents and who's still available, it makes it seem like talks with Patrick Kane are like active. That's that's what I get out of it. But I understand what you're saying. He did say that about being recovered. I also saw. Sure yeah, uh,
1: Friedman said that. Well, I saw. I trust him.
0: No, I know. I trust Elliot Friedman more than anyone. I think. Um, I have Elliot Friedman's notifications on my phone, like they pop up on my phone as if someone texted me. Um, Me and Elliot are tight. Um, But I saw videos of Patrick Kane already shooting and practicing practicing his skating. Like if somebody's going to be ahead of schedule on that, it's going to be number eighty eight. But Tarasenko. Thought we, he was going to sign with Carolina. That ended up falling under the cracks. And then today it came out that he fired his agent and he's going to sign with the team probably soon. Tarasenko? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we shall see. There were early like rumblings. Like, I don't think it's going to happen that he may be coming to the Hawks. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. If it was going to happen, I think it would have happened you know, July 1st.
0: Yeah, but, I agree. I agree with you. I also think at 30-whatever, that's not the team for him. He's probably trying to win again.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, he knows what it's like to win the Stanley Cup. So um, I would love for the Devils to get him. I know it's like they're running out of cap space, but they can afford him at 4 mil, 5 mil. I'd, and then you would have Meyer, Heisher, Tofoli, Brat, Hughes, Or, no, excuse me. Who am I missing? Yeah, Brat, Hughes, Tarasenko. And then the third line would be Palat, Hala, Mercer. Oh, my (laughs) God. Give me the (laughs) cup now. So, that's what I'm hoping for. Tarasenko. We'll see. Let's get it done, Devils. Get Tarasenko. Never know. Um... Yeah, that's true. You never know. Frank, I think after all this talk about free agency and the draft and our conversation with Dan that ended over an hour ago, which that's is crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. it's time to talk about America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> Where's my money? VP. Wait, really quick. I just watched an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Did it mess with your mind a little bit? Uh, it completely messes with my mind. I've watched like four of them now. Um, the most recent one I watched, though, had Mr. Aaron Paul himself as the main character of really? the episode. Uh, the, he says, where's my money, bitch, at the end of our little clip here. Uh-huh. That's Jesse Pinkman played by Aaron Paul. Really, really good job in that episode, too. Really good job.
1: I forgot what episode I watched of Black Mirror, but it like really like never felt that way after watching an episode of a TV show. I, you probably haven't seen it. I've only watched episodes yeah.
0: from the most recent season. Yeah. Because so, yeah. I was told you could watch any order you want. Yeah, you
1: can any order, any episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, last week we swept the board for the second week in a row. We haven't lost a Breaking Bet's pick since June 21st. We're up to 14 and nine in the MLB. We're climbing. We're thriving. Now's the time to hop on the bandwagon if you're going to follow some picks. The streak probably ends today because it's hard to continue going perfect. But we've hit our last four picks, I think, and breaking bets. Got another three today. If we could go for seven for seven over the course of the past three weeks, that would be insane. We're going to start off. In Tampa Bay, where the Phillies are traveling to Tampa, or they're actually not traveling; they're they're already there. But their their Phillies are in Tampa Bay. It's going to be Walker versus Littell. Rays lost yesterday to the Phillies, and they—I mean, these this team doesn't lose a lot. They they're on a three-game losing streak. They don't lose a lot of home games. They got one of the best home records in the MLB. And right now, the Rays money line is minus one thirty. Walker pitching on the road, he's pitched better than he has at home than he has on the road. He's coming into this game, like I said, with the Rays on a losing streak. One of, the best home, one of the best home records in the MLB, one of the best records in the MLB. It's hard to see the Rays dropping two in a row at home versus the Phillies. It's not too often you could jump on the Rays at this price at home. Rays are always pretty decent-sized favorite at home. Rays money line minus 130, got to take it. Great value at home here, especially coming off of a loss on a three-game losing streak, seems like the right thing to do. It's my first pick, Rays' money line. Second pick also has to do with the Rays game, except this is a prop for the game. I like the under two-and-a-half home runs. Walker has only given up one home run in his past five starts, where he's averaged going about six innings per game. This will also be a bullpen day for the Rays, and I expect the Phillies' rotation to see a lot of fresh arms and keep the home run counter down. I like under two and a half home runs. See, there are not being a lot of long balls in this one. And that's uh the price of that is minus 121. Springs to the last game. It's between the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals. Graham Ashcraft versus Josiah Gray. Reds have taken the first two games in the series. Now it's time for the Nationals Ace to take the mound and steal game three of the series. Lane Thomas has been on a roll. He's been fantastic for the Nationals as of late. I think the whole lineup can get on Ashcraft get to Ashcraft early and carry out the momentum throughout the game. It's not had the best season, gives up a lot of hits each game. Josiah Gray, on the other hand, this is a great price for the Nationals at home with their ace on the mound. They're plus 104. I like it. Reds have been hot. They've been a very hot team lately. We've seen what they could do against the Braves. They had that great series against the Braves. They've been rolling since then. But I think Josiah Gray and the Nationals get the best of them tonight, especially at home, and I love the plus 104 money line. As a home team. Those are my three picks for you. Let's sweep the board again. At least go two for three. I like it. Let's do it.
0: Very good. Very, very good. Man, that's a that's considered a bold pick, right? Oh yeah.
1: oh yeah. They they suck. They're terrible.
0: Yeah, they're horrible. I,
1: but they're hot. Lane Thomas is hot right now. The rest of the team, I mean, they, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think they could get cooking tonight. Ashcraft is not that great of a pitcher. Yeah. And he's right. on the road the red
0: really good the red starting pitching has like been the one question mark hasn't it i mean their bullpen is solid like
1: their starting pitcher has been a little sus it has been
0: yeah i I like the reds though i had a full show on crosstown crosstalk dedicated to the reds
1: they've been hot josiah gray though fantastic i'd take him on the cubs any day
0: for sure i agree yeah for sure um yeah, great stuff, Frank. I hope you win again. Go go sweep the board again. Get that shit. Get to the 50s before you hit the 40s and losses. Can you make that, that happen? That would
1: be sick. <laughs> Imagine.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um speaking of baseball, I freaking hate Rick Hahn the uh-huh. chief of the White Sox. Well, yesterday he talked about so the White Sox are 13 games under 500, they're 7 games out of the division. Um and they suck. And Rick Hahn talked to the media yesterday and mentioned doing damage in October. <laughs> well, you know what you're gonna be doing in October, Rick Hahn? You're gonna be wondering how the H you still have a freaking job, and you're gonna be playing golf and watching Justin Fields and the Bears. How about that? That's what you're gonna be doing in October, Rick Damage. Who are you going to do damage again? If you somehow went on a little bit of a winning streak here in the AL Central and won the division, the Astros would smoke you. The Texas Rangers would smoke you. The Yankees would smoke you. The Blue Jays would smoke you. The Rays would smoke you. Everyone would smoke you like a big old pig on 4th of July. Disgusting comments from that clueless asshole Rick Hahn. I can't wait for this baseball season to be over. I'm so sick and tired of the White Sox credits. Um, I had the scoop. I tweeted it before it became official. Louise Robert Jr. In the home run derby. That'll be fun.
1: That'll be fun.
0: White Sox player in the home run derby. That's been a while. I think Todd Frazier was the last one. Are you 20- serious? Yeah. So it'll be nice to have a White Sox player in the home run derby. That'll be fun. Um, the all-star game, love baseball in general. But as far as the White Sox season, P.U. Tune into some- town crosstalk to see me break it down. Um, He's like gagging over there. Tomorrow, tomorrow's show is going to be basically me shitting on the White Sox for an hour. If
1: he hears his name, he's like
0: <laughs> disgusting. Everything about the White Sox stinks. Their owner stinks. Their coach stinks. Their previous coach stinks. Their GM stinks. All the players except Robert and Cease and Giolito stink. Uh, they just stink all around. Stinky, stinky, stinky team. See, I agree. Yeah, they suck ass. Um, The A's have a better chance of winning the World Series this year than the White Sox.
1: Yeah, you're insane.
0: I'm not insane. They beat the White Sox. They took two out of three from them.
1: I don't care. They don't have a better – no. They They
0: don't. You're right because their chances are both zero. (laughs) They have the same odds to win the World Series. Zero.
1: The White Sox are doing damage in October.
0: No shot. (laughs) They'll be lucky to win a game in September. They'll probably go two and. 20 in September. Just a nasty disgusting team. Make sure you read all of my stuff at fansided.com covering all Chicago sports, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New Jersey Devils. Very excited to bring all of you that on twitter.com. I actually have my article about Luis Robert Jr. making it to the All-Star Game just about finished here and it will be going live within minutes of this show ending. So you could go read that and then of course tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk will break down Luis Robert Jr. making it to the All-Star Game in addition to the, other, or the all-star game and the Chicago Cubs players, Dansby Swanson, Marcus Stroman, and Justin Steele all making it to the all-star game as well as the National League all-stars will break down the home run derby field. Um, Shohei Otani's got a blister on his pitching hand. That's not good, so he's probably not going to pitch in the all-star game, but he might break Judge's single-season home run record in the American League one year after Judge did it, and it took 50 years for someone to do it until last year. Um, so we'll just dissect all of that tomorrow. Frank, they can read your shit where
1: Apptrigger.com. A lot of great content, wrote some articles on Bedard. So if you like hockey and video games, or if you just like hockey, even come read it, maybe you'll start liking video games. So yeah,
0: for sure. And then next week on cross or on Bard on talking hockey is where we get into the off season type of shit Yeah. where we it's, it'll be less newsy. I'm sure there'll be a big signing by next show. Tara Sanko.
1: You know what I just thought about? Hmm. Next show is the last show before the Bags Tournament. There you go. That, too.
0: We'll break down that. Um, I'm sure, like, Tarasenko will be signed. Maybe we'll have more clarity on a couple other people. Um, but for the most part, the newsy portion of things. Yeah. We'll talk about development camp. We'll see Bedard in Blackhawks gear for the first time, like actual hockey gear, not like a hat and a T-shirt. Uh, the Devils, same thing um june july 12th i think i don't i don't know the exact date it's coming up though so we'll break down that kind of stuff but for the most part we'll be talking about snacks and candy during the off season as well and i noticed i noticed that joey chestnuts dms are open on twitter
1: that would be sick try it let's get them on can you <laughs> <laughs> I, i'd eat a hot dog i think while we did it.
0: Oh, 100%. percent hundred percent that would be unreal yeah. We'll see what we could do. I'm going to wait for the dust to settle a little bit from all the hype. That's um, fine. I'll probably wait a couple of days, and then I'll stick my nose where it don't belong, as I do every time we get a sick guest. Um, we're overdue to have Bucci, too. Uh, maybe I'll think about reaching out to him soon. Okay. But, Sounds you know, good. well, we got Big Brother coming up, too, right? Less than a month?
1: August, August 2nd.
0: Yep. We I don't know the wait. cast yet, though.
1: No, nah, we won't find that out till like, a week before, a week and a half. Oh, so that's got, kind of annoying. We got a few weeks. Is it always like that? It's usually like two weeks. And they actually go in a ho- the house earlier, obviously, than August 2nd because they need to create content for the first episode. So they always enter the house like a week before. So like a week before that, we kind of get the cast list. Got it. That so makes sense. Like a few weeks, maybe like mid-20s of July, July 24th, 5th, 6th, maybe. Right around there. Maybe a little sooner, depending. I mean, if it's a returning cast, because I think they're going to do something big. We might know a little bit earlier, but we'll see.
0: For sure. Looking forward to it. That's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed watching on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter all the places you can watch podcasts. If you're joining late and you want to catch the beginning parts of the episode on the audio version, you can head on over to Apple and Spotify and check us out there. It's really, really fun. I hope everybody enjoyed the show again tomorrow. Crosstown crosstalk 2 PM, all sorts of great things going on here at the Barroom network. Make sure you're always tuned in, click the little bell on YouTube. If you want to be notified whenever we go live, that's obviously something that you should be doing because we bring great content all over different forms of entertainment. And I'm looking forward to the next time I get to appear on this show um frank it's been good chatting with you as always i hope everybody enjoys their rest of their week and gets to the weekend safely and as always thank you for listening